Welcome, everybody, to part three of The Baseline here at PWI's Just Joshi. Uh, your host, JPQ, here to talk a little Ice Ribbon, um, one of my favorite promotions. I know my guest uh, from the Red Leaf Retrocast, my friend, JD. JD, how you doing, brother? Hey, it's good to be back. It seems uh, seems we talk about Ice Ribbon annually around this time, kind of like a primer of what this promotion is going to be for the uh, for the next year. I like resetting, which I think is an appropriate term for Ice Ribbon this year. But I, I enjoy the <laughs> coming out of a wrestling calendar year and going into a wrestling calendar year and kind of giving everybody an opportunity to kind of jump on board. It's been an interesting year because, you you know, as far as the PWI is concerned, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, this was the probably the best year of representation that we've seen from Ice Ribbon in uh, the Women's 150. And then everybody seemed to leave except for two that we put on the PWI 150. And, you know, they're in a, in a little bit of a, a state of rebuild. I'm interested in knowing what you have to say because you bring the numbers, you bring the business angles into this, and I know you've done a deep dive uh, over on Red Leaf Retrocast telling everybody about kind of what to expect and, and, and who's out there and all these different things. So I figured, hey, where do we stand? What should people expect? Give me your general outlook on Ice Ribbon come the new year. Yeah, uh, I'd like to just kind of give a little basic over what Ice Ribbon is, mm -hmm. uh, because it is it is a promotion that I think, at least in terms of a Western audience, that uh, a, lot, a lot of people are less familiar with. And sure. a short little background would be nice. Uh, it's a promotion that started by Emi Sakura, who is currently in AEW, <laughs> and uh, a lot of her students are kind of in AEW, Riho and, and Sheeta, uh, to name the, the two. And her uh, people who recruited and trained are still running Ice Ribbon uh, to this day. So that's kind of a, a short background there. It started in the late 2000s when, let's face it, Joshi was not in the best places <laughs> right. at that time. So why is it relevant I bring up uh, someone like Emi Sakura uh, ju just because she started it is because in 2011 to 2012, there was a split or exodus or a lot of people leaving during that time. And that massively impacted the promotion of what it was going to do going years forward. And that was with Emi Sakura and a lot of people kind of followed suit with her leaving. So that left behind Sukasa Fujimoto, Hikaru Shida to an extent and a couple other people, uh, key players, and then a lot, a lot of children <laughs> and trainees. Okay, see where I'm going with this. Yeah. And as we enter 2022, at the end of 2021, a lot of people left the promotion. A lot turned to the freelance. Uh, they wanted to split off into their own ventures, namely this group called Prominence. It's uh, Risa Sarah, and she was kind of the most popular person in the promotion. Yeah, she was uh, their biggest draw for a very long time, if not in the totality of Ice Ribbon. Yeah, you can kind of point to her starting to draw money, real money for this promotion, probably in the mid-2014, early 2015. And she was kind of the, the, as long as she was featured in a main event in some capacity, she would draw up until about, I would say, before, right before the pandemic. Uh, there's some speculation if you kind of look at how she was utilized. Maybe there's some things between her and management. Kind of leave that for another podcast, but that's relevant because that 
between that and her supposed retirement and her wanting to do her own thing led to kind of this this leaving ice ribbon state and there's a lot of veterans that left with her much like in 2011 2012 same same capacity uh, and Hikaru Shida left shortly after that she became a freelancer and ventured off into her own things much like what Maya Yukihi's doing one of the biggest stars in the promotion again a lot of parallels you can make to what happened uh, just about 10 years ago. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty right. wild how things kind of roll around. They've kind of been through this before. Yeah. And where it gets interesting uh, for 2022 is when you see the roster that's left behind, much like in the 2012 era, it's Tsukasa Fujimoto. And at that time, it was a growing Sakushi, who both are still in the promotion now. And Tsukasa Fujimoto uh, is... During that, shortly around that period, uh, she wasn't champion at first, but then she became champion. Uh, the people that became champion back then were Shida and Mio Shirai. And in 2013, uh, they tried a couple new people, uh, <laughs> including Sakushi herself. And then it became a big Sukasa run. We just got off a big Sukasa run. Sakushi's the champion now. Uh, finally gets uh, her second chance at it, but it's almost been 10 years since that time. The big question with Sakushi as champion is she's never been in this position before. She's the main player that they're really relying on. She is their ace currently. Sukasa is really pat that when the title changed hands in October or uh, no, it was November was the Oda Ward show. The uh, the it really had a passing of the torch moment. So now we're, re we're relying on the veteran kind of stepping aside right now, Sukasa, uh, to grow the generation underneath them, and Sakushi is being the uh, reliant wrestler on top to carry them into 2022. Nice. If I can jump in here real quick, so with Sukushi, um, you know, kind of being crowned uh, towards the end of the year, in a lot of ways, her. I don't want to call it a redemption arc because I don't think that gives the right connotation, but kind of her climb back to the top, um, you know, and then culminating in winning the, um, the, the in, infinity in, title. Thank you. The infinity called. title. Jeez. Um, that was probably one of the best pro wrestling stories that we've seen in 2021 that nobody really talked about. What, was so compelling about Tsukushi finally getting to the back to the top of the mountain. Well, she had some personal issues that arose and that kind of led to Tsukasa Fujimoto, uh, really kind of restarting her career. And it was, you know, we all have our demons in the past and things we regret. And then we work to be a better person and go through it. So that story alone is very relatable for a lot of people and just being human. Right. Mm -hmm. And over the last few years and her getting to that point, becoming part of a tag team with Tsukasa Fujimoto and doing another a, a number of matches where she just struggles to get to the top. And at least in singles matches, she, she didn't really have this issue with tags. Right. And finally, in 2021, it really felt you as an Ice Ribbon fan that it was going to be her time. And they they really kickstarted it with, I would say kind of the origin point would be uh, when Maya Yukihi was champion, 
Sukushi came out in kind of this Manami Toyota type gear. Uh, it was kind of a, a big celebration. I believe it was one of her wrestling anniversaries and she lost. And that really set in motion that here we go. Now we're off to the races with Sukushi, which led to a match in the early part of 2021 with Sukasa, Manami Toyota, uh, who is both their mentors or uh, the mentor of both of them. And she was in the the stands for this title match. Sukushi lost earlier in the year, and then they had their rematch later in the year. Uh, now, I've had my opinions over how they went about getting to the rematch and knowing what we know now with the people that leaving. I really think they a lot of people didn't talk about it because it was really it was like a too subtle storyline. And for people to really pick up on what the goal was, you really have to be really deep into Ice Ribbon to kind of see it and talk about it and the booking around like the surface I don't think did enough did a good enough job to what the end goal was, especially now considering that they're they're going to rely so much on Sakushi going into 2022, being the main event and having all of these hopefully uh, good matches and able to draw a lot of money for this promotion, or at least to the extent of what they did last year. Now, don't get me wrong, last 2021 they really struggled in attendance. Uh, they weren't the only promotion, but we're sticking with ice ribbon for now and it's really important that they get off to 2022 to a good start and really tell their fans that ice ribbon's okay we're building the next generation and we're going to do good going forward yeah i'd agree i you know i don't want to jump too too much into you know quote unquote uh you know the new era just yet but because I do think there's a lot of things in 2021 that we kind of have to set up to kind of talk about what mm -hmm. 2022 is. But as somebody who enjoys change, right? Somebody that watches wrestling, not just for the big fight feel matches, but the developmental side. Like I enjoy watching people go from like a average two and a half star match and work their way into a three and a half star match, right? I enjoy them that progression. Oh, you'll definitely get way. that this year. Nice ribbon. <laughs> yes, you will. That's for sure. So, you know, knowing that, Again, and I don't want to call it a full rebuild because I think that's a little disingenuous. But, you know, to say that they're definitely going to have to kind of, you know, regroup, realign and then find new stars and 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 begin to build, you know, the the, the, the new main eventers, so to speak, of, of Ice Ribbon, you know, I'm excited for that. I think that's an opportunity to, to put a fresh coat of paint on something, you know, that has been... It's been, you know, we've kind of known for a couple of years who's who's been at the top, right? It's been Maya for the longest time. Risa Sarah has been there. Um, uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto is still going to be there. Sukushi was always kind of teasing coming back up uh, the last couple of years. You know, Suzu's now out the door. And and you just look at it and you go, okay, we've got very young talent. We have people coming out of Wrestle Circle in the next, and again, it'll take them a couple of years to get them up and running. And what can we do in the interim? That's not just strictly freelance, um, you know, one-off type of type of shows. It's going to be an interesting year, you know, for them as they kind of transition and kind of find their footing in this quote-unquote new era. Um, and I'm excited for that. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, and I just realized that. So let's let's take it back. We, we you mentioned prominence in the um, the mass exodus. Yes. Um, <laughs> Ice Ribbon themselves don't like that word, but 
Right. I, I don't know what else you would call it yeah, <laughs> when a I, lot of people leave a location, leave right. a company, location, promotion, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's true. And people tend to put a negative connotation on that. And it's certainly not. I mean, again, I've had conversations with Yappy and Yappy has come out proactively on her stream and, and discussed the fact that everything is very amicable uh, between prominence and, and ice ribbon, right? That, you know, in a lot of ways, Risa Sarah, um, you know, she wanted to, to explore doing, uh, these death matches and and having you know a a women's death match, whether it be promotion, faction, you know, produce show, etc. And Ice Ribbon, which tends to be one of, if not the most family friendly um, oriented promotion in in Japan, in a lot of ways, it's it doesn't really jive a hundred percent with with that um, type of type of wrestling. So. You know, the fact that they and they entertained it through 2021 and whatever happened to where, you know, they just decided, hey, this isn't for this isn't what we want our brand to be, you know, so have fun and and go do it. You know, I, I think fans look at that and they want to see some tea spilt. And I just don't know after talking with some of the people over there if that's necessarily the case right now, if it was, they wouldn't tell you anyway. Um, but it is one of those things where, you know, just the general sense seems to be that, you know, they're still working the shows, at least for now. Um, there's good rapport between them. Um, you know, the communication's strong. They had their presser in the ice ribbon dojo. So from, you know, the outside looking in, in a lot of ways, it seems as if, you know, it's just the difference of what kind of wrestling they want to do. And in a very refreshing turn in professional wrestling, uh, it's the promotion and the talent finding an amicable way of splitting so that they can all be happy with pro wrestling. You like that? I see what you did there. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I guess when it comes to the group prominence, uh, Mayukihi herself, she has a question mark on her. I think you can kind of point to Hikaru Shida and how she kind of had her freelance split from ice ribbon as a good, good uh, bullet points over what Maya is probably going to do. I mean, she's already the Oz Academy champion. Now she's doing a lot of DDT shows uh, already. Yep. You can kind of see her path and her future. Will she be a big part of ice ribbon? Uh, I mean, if you look at kind of how they're advertising her and put her on our poster, she's already kind of at the back of the line. Uh, so they've really made it a point that, we got to get our young talent at the forefront. And if these people aren't going to be in our future, then we can't kind of advertise them that way. And prominence is very much the same way. They're not on posters at all. Uh, whether it was amicable or not uh, through PR spins or that to fans, that kind of doesn't matter to an extent because you still... On the surface, two fans, and even myself, I am a fan at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, the <clears throat> you just see essentially their entire mid card leave and two, well, technically three, but in terms of providence, two of their big main eventers. One that they had worked hard to make over the back end of 2020 uh, when she was champion, the Suzu Suzuki. And, uh, they really, with the death matches in 2021, the 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 attendance numbers really points to that was a, a part of a big detractor for the promotion. It didn't seem very popular fans. 
there's even a history of fan votes. Uh, the first time this was brought up, this is not <laughs> the, this this has happened before years and years ago with Risa Sarah, where the fans voted against a lot of these death matches. And we'll I guess we'll get into a prospect of 22 in a second, uh, how that is relevant. So with there's two groups in particular that Ice Ribbon are probably going to book and they already have for January coming up. Yeah. That's the actress girl, former actress girls group Colors, whom formed this group kind of as a survival method uh, to get bookings. And Ice Ribbon uh, really took advantage of that immediately. They they're booking them already on on a couple shows going forward here in January, and then Prominence, the amicable split, seems to be okay because they have them booked later in the month as kind of a. I think it's a Skip City show, which is a place Ice Ribbon frequents, and they have a prominence offer hardcore deathmatch. Right. <laughs> so with my questions along these two groups is how prominent <laughs> will uh, prominence be in the promotion? Will they just wrestle each other in these wacky deathmatches or will they? be there to put over the young stars, which we saw at Ribbon Mania, their big year-end show in 2021. All of them did the job, basically, yep. except uh, the, the one match where they faced each other. Right. So that kind of, like, whether the Fantastice title, that's kind of their white belt, if you to do a stardom reference, Um, whether she's set up to put someone over in the within Ice Ribbon itself, or the belt just kind of goes away or it sticks with prominence that these are all questions that remain to be seen or answered. Yeah. And I think, I think we're starting to answer them um, with what we're seeing in the early bookings in January, right? We're a couple days out from colors coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Doing, uh, doing a show with ice ribbon. And I wouldn't be surprised if colors becomes a constant in ice ribbon over the course of the next 12 months. I think um, that, you know, when it comes to this rebirth of of Ice Ribbon. And yeah, the the I, I think how we're seeing these initial bookings in January is definitely a a sign. Um, is it the full sign? Mm. <laughs> let's no, give it a couple. A, let's a, give it a couple a transition. Months. Yeah, it's it's definitely a transition. The colors group were, were definitely kind of the first people called Makoto a person who has a history with Ice Ribbon at Huge. the beginning, another Emmy soccer student, uh, I believe, I believe. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of people to keep track of with Emmy soccer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, her, her talent tree is ridiculous. Yeah. So Sukasa knows Makoto quite well. And Makoto has this history with the promotion. She's a former champion herself. Uh, back in the day at this point, you could, you could do that when it's a decade. <laughs> <laughs> So I think she's going to be pretty, uh, pretty frequent in Ice Ribbon. Uh, they could definitely stick her in the main event as a temporary, at least to get Sakushi some good runs. The fan base knows who Makoto is, and Colors with their Actress Girls uh, origins. Ice Ribbon had a had a very good relationship with Actress Girls, and I think that relationship with Colors will carry over. My biggest question with colors is will they be used to their, to their fullest potential because the mid card is completely gone. I'm curious to see how much colors is going to impact the mid card and even the main event. Cause there is a couple of people you could stick in there. 
my opinions over their wrestling level aside, you can put Saki, uh, Hikari Shimizu, just to name a couple. And then there's wild cards that have pro- uh, history with the promotion of the past, Tehonma and Miyuki Takase. Where, where will they lie in the promotion's future? We don't know. They're not booked for them yet. They're coming off of injuries. So we'll see. Uh, prominence. Uh, I can't say I'm excited with their first comeback as that hardcore offer match. Very curious how attendances will reflect the difference between colors coming in and prominence <laughs> doing their thing. And my other biggest question is how will Sakushi at the top be able to get people in the building? Yeah, I think I think it's leaning on these freelancers right at the beginning. I think you have to at the beginning. I think you have to. And 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 I think that's kind of going to be the theme, right? And I think again, um between colors, between the freelancers out there that are normally working the Joshi independence as well as uh prominence themselves, I think prominence is probably the shorter term solution, right? They're going to come in, they're going to promote their produce shows within ice ribbon, right? To the audience that is accustomed and liked what they were doing. Um, they're going to try to get them to, to jump over and, and see what they're doing at their produce shows at the same time. You know, the, the Risa Sarah's, the Suzu Suzuki's, you know, the economies of the world, they, they're still in, in some aspects, you know, they're still liked and loved by that, by those fans. So, you know, I can't imagine that stuff, you to know, say. Yeah, but at least at the beginning here, right? Like, I think that, that, you know, that honeymoon stage, not the honeymoon stage, but the idea that although they're leaving, but it's in a, and it's in an amicable, amicable way, I think that they're going to be able over the next couple months until they can establish themselves uh, with their produce shows through Wrestle Universe and kind of what their next move is, is going to be able to utilize their partnership with Ice Ribbon and Ice Ribbon benefits from being able to fill out their cards. I think the longer term solution through the next 12 months is colors girls pro wrestling unit. I think that's where, you know, they help to develop the, the younger talent and help to put them over, um, in a, in more of like a six to eight to nine month time frame. Um, I think that they're ones that kind of last through 2022 into 2023, um, as you know, the people coming up, um, the, you know, the, the, uh, Ibu Hoshi of the worlds as, as they're working up the ranks, uh, puts them in a good position to to beat like a Hikari Shimizu, to beat a Rina Amakura and and Asaki, and and really establish herself as you know a prominent main eventer. If they can establish that by the end of the year, I think Ice Ribbon's prospects for 2023 look really really good. And I think Colors is what's going to be the train that gets them there. Yeah, the problem. I get what you're saying. The problem mm-hmm. with that is let me let me make a let me make a sports reference in terms of prominence here. Sure. Uh, if if you're a sports fan, okay, mm. of Utah Jazz, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, ah, just throwing that team out there, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there is a player by the name of Enos Cantor. Okay, this guy, Freedom. Yep. Okay. Uh, this guy had an amicable release and trade uh, uh, from the Utah Jazz, but. He also went out and said that he hated the city. <laughs> he didn't like Utah. So then, even though the split was nice, the fan base felt betrayed. And there's countless examples of this with 
You can point to Chris Bosch in Toronto, leaving to Miami, where he just flat out said he didn't like Canada, even though he liked the team. Um, fan bases feel betrayed. This is a real thing that happens. And you can kind of see the signs of that with a lot of the Ice Ribbon fan base uh, with streamers, for example. They are back at some of these shows. And there's a significant decrease in a lot of that. And you're like, wait a minute. Well, COVID's still going on. Maybe they're just throwing less streamers. I wouldn't wouldn't be so sure. It's not stopping the rest of the roster from getting twice as many kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't that shouldn't be with whom used to be the most popular people. So I, I think that that factor can't be underestimated. Because uh, I myself has, have felt like a betrayed fan in the past, and I personally don't like how this uh, split came to be and how the booking around the promotion handled it. Uh, I think I, th- I think they did what they thought the best that they could. And then turning around to colors, you mentioned have this six to nine month plan with colors kind of in the mid card, maybe the main event. And eventually the plan is to put their talent over them. The problem with that is too much. There's too much history in specifically Joshi wrestling when people come into the territory, so to say, and it's protection booking. And it's one of my most annoyances as a Joshi wrestling fan is a lot of these freelancers come in. They only wrestle each other. And if they wrestle anyone in the in the promotion, they never lose. So such a rarity that happens. So you end up getting kind of pointless matches. They're just they just exist to kind of fill up the card. And I hope that's not going to be the case. I hope you're right. I hope there is a plan. And personally, I mean, to, to sound a little harsh, I at this point, colors isn't over. They, they, they aren't these big draws uh, with these people coming into Ice Ribbon. So that's a that's a factor to consider. Do I like do I like wrestlers like Hikari Shimizu? Absolutely. I love them. I it's it, it almost in a way Ice Ribbon needs to build them up. So in nine months, when someone beats them, if that's a big if on on my prediction part, if they beat them, then the, the people that beat them will then uh, get something out of it. There's, a, there's 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 just all, so many questions with what Ice Ribbon is going to do with the freelancers and their young talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a big unknown, right? And it is pure speculation at this point. That's for sure. I just think that, Oh, it changes every day. Ever since the the story. Yeah. Ever since the story broke and the more information comes out, you got, it's, it is fun to talk about. Don't get me wrong. It is great. It is fun to follow. It is fun to see what happens with each new information that breaks and it's it's great to cover as as someone who does podcasting uh, like yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, look, it's I don't know. I just I, I guess I got a feeling right. I guess it's a gut punch where I just sit there and I go. And 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 I think about this with with the booking specifically of Ice Ribbon going into December. Right. Um, and, and you, you kind of alluded to earlier or to it earlier. There really wasn't an opportunity where prominence in any of the members really um we're in in any type of you know i I have to use the word prominent it's amazing and in any prominent position with yeah within (laughs) the promotion to then build and put over uh a talent on their way out right sure suzu ate um 
you know, a pin at Skip City, you know, prior to the end of the year. Sure, you know, Mochi uh, took a took a loss um, at their you know end of the year show. Um, this one on the 29th, uh, Ribbon Mania, excuse me, uh, on the 31st. It and and that's great, right? But there really was no huge, like there really was no you know title change outside of the Hoshi Sisters and and Azure Revolution where you sat there and you said like this person within ice ribbon is better off because you know somebody from prominence you know put them put them over on their way out the door and i think you know in the beginning here january february march and i'll give them three months you know if we begin to see that happening i'm gonna feel pretty good about it right because i think to this point it feels like as an ice ribbon fan that ice ribbons extended a lot of gratuity towards you know prominence with with the way that you know they're they're controlling the information and 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 the fact that you know everything's amicable between them and oh they're still going to work here and Maya well Maya's Maya's their own entity so she'll be around but you know they're going to you know they're going to work with us still and we're going to work with them and everything's good and and we're going to do their presser at, at our dojo show and things of that nature and it feels very one sided on the prominent side right and I'm hoping that that's because in return over the next couple months. We're going to see them begin to elevate, um, you know, some of the stars or stars, some of the uh, some of the wrestlers in Ice Ribbon to the next level. And that's not necessarily means that they're going to build main event stars right now. But, you know, you're going to take some of these newbies that are coming in and you're going to give them an opportunity to kind of push their way up the cart. From there, I think that's where Colors comes in and takes them the rest of the way um, in a more conventional sense without you, you would definitely hope it. Yeah, hardcore. yeah, you would definitely hope in a sense that. Uh... It's almost like 1970s, 80s territory booking in the United States where you come into the territory, you got a story, you build up that story and you put the guy who's in the territory over. Right. You you hope. That's what you hope. Yeah, it's what you hope. Right. And I think that, you know, there's a there's a there's a reason to believe that that, you know, actress girls or uh or or colors unit will do that you know what i mean like it's they're relatively we'll new to the scene you know i'm what I mean? more and of a pessimist like you're dealing unfortunately with. <laughs> you are i mean wait that's what makes it so good right it's half full half half empty right um, yeah. well i mean my engineer uh brain just says <laughs> why don't you just make the cup that size but you know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but it is that um it is that yin and yang approach right like i just look at it and i say I would not be surprised. Now, Saki's her own entity, right? I don't know if Saki's going to be eating L's left and right, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the wild card. Okay. You, 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 you want to put the fantasy booking hat on, put it on. All right. I think, I think Saki thinks she's a big star and that, okay, fine. Hey, build yourself up. Do knock yourself out. You want to do that? Then I think put your money where your mouth is. I'd say Sakushi Saki main event. Build that sucker up. They're still going to be running essentially monthly cork and halls ice ribbon. Very ambitious, especially with a with lo- lowering attendance. I kind of made a, a big article at the end of 2021 about ice ribbon branching out of Saitama, which I think is very ambitious. Stardom did something similar, getting out of Tokyo, and their attendance has reflected good business. Uh, mm-hmm. increasing the fan base. Perhaps that's what Ice Ribbon's plan is. Run those monthly Corkins. They're much cheaper to run than they have been in the past due to coronavirus. There's actually a positive behind that. So they don't need 700 plus people at a lot of these shows, but you definitely like to see over 350 at the very least. Sure. 
especially if you're running monthly and you hope to be building a fan base in that area. Uh, so, hey, Saki, main event Sakushi. Sakushi goes over. Saki can then build herself up. She doesn't need to take a lot of L's, but she needs to take an important one. Right. And the same could be said with Hikari Shimizu. I think you could easily build her up. You can. The, th- the thing that's great is this young roster and the parallels back to the past is it took about two, two and a half years to build your young roster up from that exodus back in back then. I expect the same amount of time is going to happen again. And they do have uh, there. There there is people coming out of wrestling circle that they're going to debut. I think it's another two or three people. So the pipeline for Ice Ribbon is healthy. It's still good. That's good. They're still debuting rookies. They're building from the inside. They have a lot of homegrown talent, which really jives well with a fan base. You have Asahi, Ibuki Hoshi, uh, the newly debuted Kaho Matsushita, all with tremendous upside, I feel. Those those are your, kind of your main three I kind of point to. And then you have Yuki Mashiro, who's a very unique case, to say the least. She's something else, right? She's something else. She's very popular. You got to kind of treat her a little bit differently, but she has upside in her own special way and they're treating her like that. So the the booking behind Ice Ribbon, I'm confident in in that regard. It's it's all the other factors we've spoken about now. That's where the biggest questions lie. How will they get those people I just named up to the next level? How fast will they develop? I think Ibuki Hoshi is basically already there. They did that with Sukasa. Uh, in the latter half of 2021 in a tremendous match. I really love that. I think that really elevated her uh, almost to the main event, but now you can stick her in. And the biggest question now is they're running Korokin, I believe in about 10 days upon this recording, and it's going to be Sakushi versus Ibuki Hoshi. And that's a big test, I think, for what we can expect, at least initially, going forward in 2022 with this promotion, attendance-wise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of, I think that's like, again, I mean, I, kind of the theme of, of these first couple episodes of just Yoshi, it gives us, it is the baseline, right. For, for rice ribbon, depending on what the attendance looks like for that show is kind of, kind of set them up for what we should be expecting as fans moving forward. Where do you think Stukasa Fujimoto plays into all of this? Do you think it's, this is a connection year for her where she's reaching out oh, to all boy. her friends all over the place and saying, Hey, get in here. We need your help getting people in the, in the stands. Do you think she goes out and shops herself out to other promotions the way she did with ceiling back in 2019? What do you, what do you yeah. say? Yeah, I think, I think she's definitely going to do something like that again. Uh, you look at kind of her past, uh, past drawing numbers. She's the most successful actually not as a singles main eventer. It's actually a tag team. She's a tag it's, team, man. She's she's a tag team draw, which is kind of uh, a unique case. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it, it very is. You'd think kind of the backbone of the promotion, your, your, your ace, if you will. I think it's now Sakushi. I think they established that. But right. Tsukasa was considered the ace for, for many years, or at least in the Tanahashi. Yeah, the Tanahashi role. You have your uh, you have your ace, you have your Tanahashi, and you have your Okada, right? And for the latter half of uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, that was Maya Yukihi. 2017, it was Risa Sarah. 2016. Uh, now you got Sakushi in that Okada role. You have Sukasa still in that Tana role. She is best friends with Ari Sanakajima over in Seedling. They desperately need help. I could see a good quick pro quo there going on. Uh, you already see Makoto coming in as well. Yep. 
And if you can, it, like I, the big money feuds, if they really want to like draw some houses, it's like this Risa Sarah prominence, like invasion thing and Risa Sarah versus Sukasa, Risa Sarah versus Sukushi. We've never really had these matches before. They've had singles matches. Yes. But for the title with someone defending it, it's never been those and those those are kind of your biggest things you could do could you do sukasa versus arias nakajima absolutely like things exist that they could do what they do with that uh at least with the fantasy booking hat i have on right now uh obviously i'm a more pessimistic about that actually occurring but i yeah, think but you're right you. you're, you're starting to move right like it's starting to get in your head hmm yeah well, i, I mean, think there's it, some pathways here <laughs> that we need to we need to go down the roads up yeah, but what's what what's the reality is it's probably going to be Sukasa going over to Seedling doing some doing some shtick with Arisa. Maybe Arisa comes in for some things and they do and they do some wacky like mid-card tags. Like that's probably the more realistic version of what's happening. Yeah, I I don't know. Again, I just have this weird vibe, right? And I think it's I think it's because right, we're dealing with two <laughs> freelance factions, right? And then the connections of Sukasa. Because I do believe that Ice Ribbon, because again, here's what we know. Ice Ribbon's not going to go out and sign anybody. You know what I mean? I'm sure they would like to, and I, there's a couple yeah. names out there that we can kind of talk about, but man, I am hard-pressed to believe that they've, that they're in a position to where they want to go out and, and, and sign a bunch of, um, you know, free agents. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, maybe one, I, Momo uh, Kogo is thrown around a lot. I don't think, has she decided what she's doing yet? I don't think I've heard anything new since. Yeah, I don't think I've, I don't, you know anything? You have any? You have a beat on Momo Kogo? There, there is there is some Twitter posts out there that you can look at wherever where each actor scrolls made their decision. Yeah, it's a great resource. I, yeah, I don't recall off the top of my head what Momo Kogo's decision was, but they definitely like her in Ice Ribbon. She went over to Mexico with him in October, right? Uh, with Sukasa and Tsukushi. Uh, so you brought up the signing part. Right. <clears throat> this is so, this is something I disagree with with Ice Ribbon's way of, I guess, financial business. Because when you look at it, that they just lost, what was it, seven fully signed wrestlers. So the the funding seems to be there where they can at least get one or two. You would think uh, <laughs> you need replacement value does exist on the free agent scene. Is it as big as we think? Well, it's it's surely getting smaller, especially with these groups forming, kind of for their own survival, which is fine. Right. But Ice Ribbon does have a thing called regular contracts that they could absolutely get people in. Priority booking is what I call it. Oh, and, I love it. Walk it through us. Yeah. Could they, could they hypothetically try to convince colors to all be regulars? And as long as it doesn't interfere with colors own little produce shows, I think that would be extremely beneficial because then colors would be locked down financially. Uh, for ice ribbon bookings they would certainly get work which is desperately needed right now in the scene you got your oz academies and seedlings and company which i i know you're gonna go through another primer with another guest about all that mm -hmm. but those companies are only running maybe once or twice a month ice ribbon runs way more than them so hypothetically that could be a very good move i doubt something like that would happen but the 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 financials and and ideas are there for Ice Ribbon to take advantage of what I've been dubbing uh, the scorched earth Joshi scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did look it up. Momo isn't, um, she she hasn't 
made any decisions yet. So okay. That's, All right. That's that would make sense. Enough. Why we don't know it then. <laughs> right. Um, but she did say she was going to wrestle. So I would imagine that we, you know, provided that she doesn't get signed uh, anywhere other than Ice Ribbon, that we should see her in Ice Ribbon in some capacity, you know, this year. I'd love to see her as an Ice Ribbon regular and they push her to the moon. I think yeah. she has, she definitely has that. The uh, I think if I'm to, to put levels to people, I'd say Asahi, Ibuki, and Momokogo would kind of be on that cusp of getting to the main event. Skill level aside, I think if I'm a firm believer, JPQ, that if you got talent, you believe in them, you push them. Right. And, yeah, a, and, a, and a push is not losing in the undercard to veterans for three plus years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you 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 have been um, you have been uh, very clear with that. Yeah, <laughs> over, very over ad- the, very adamant about this idea. Yes, that adamant is true. If you want to push a wrestler, they win matches. What a concept! <laughs> right, and and I do think that Momo would be somebody if they brought in would be pushed to the moon, and so. You know, they do probably have a little bit of money sitting around considering that they just lost, you know, five wrestlers plus a retirement uh, and then Teclo on top of it. Um, yeah. She, <laughs> well, so, yeah, she's an, she's a curious case. I got no problem with what Tecla did. No, she me saw, neither. She no, saw a she, lot of people leaving. She saw stardom doing what they're doing. She t- took advantage. I, hey, right. good for you. Good for her. Know your worth, right? Get it. You know, if you can, yes, if you can know get your some worth. cash, go get your thing. And, and, and so seven, with seven people leaving, I think that does open up the checkbook a little bit to say like, okay, maybe we can sign a couple of people, right? Cause I don't think like they're broke and they're not trying to. So, so if they can get somebody great, I'm really interested in ice ribbon this year. Um, not because I think it's going to be like, yeah, you have to check this match out. Hey, you have to check this show out. What a great, I don't think that's what we're going to get. But what I do think is that we're going to look back at 2022 as the year that all the chess pieces were made to get checkmate in 2023. If you know, if you know what I mean? Like, and I think, you know, we won't appreciate what 2022 is real time, but we will appreciate it as a case study 2023, 2024, and look back at it and say, you know, man, they made some really smart decisions to get to where they are now. And that's something that I want to be here and enjoy the ride for over the next 12 months. Yeah, the the bit the ironic part would be you normally when you have some main eventers leave the promotion, uh attendance you would just assume would just deplete. Right. The ironic thing I've been kind of putting in my head is the death matches aren't going to be there as long as prominence aren't going to be there, hopefully. And you're now featuring fresh, young, new talent more. And you kind of combine those two things with the fan base finally doesn't have to deal with the terrible death matches anymore that they don't like. And you get fresh, young, new talent, which always excites a promotion. You could <laughs> somehow, ironically, see an increase in what they've been doing. And that will look really good on their champion, Sakushi. That will look really good on the promotion's image. And it will, I think, excite a fan base as well, including myself. I think so, too. Final question for you, JD, as we kind of wrap up this portion of the baseline. What would you deem a success for Ice Ribbon through 2022? Yeah, I kind of saw 2021's attendance 
figures as a failure. I have my reservations over some of the booking decisions and the hardcore matches that they went about it. And if I'm to kind of put a business side success idea behind it, I think if they, I think if they maintain where they were at in 2020, which was around the 350, 400, uh, with the occasional, they got to break 500 in attendance more at Cork and Hall. They got to do that at least a couple times. Okay. Of course, of, they got 11 opportunities to do that. Right, right. And I don't want to see them go below 350 in any of those Corkins. Uh, I think that's not a crazy ask, but it will be an indication over uh, kind of how the fan base sees the promotion now because they were hitting like 250s and low 300s at some of these shows in 2021. That is not good. <laughs> Even if the venue's cheap and they're not losing, losing money, that's not good. You, right. you, you want, want you fans want, in yeah, the stands. You want to see more. I want to see if Sakushi gets a solid, solid run with this title, which I think is extremely important, especially when she is clearly one of the backbones of this promotion going forward for, I think, years to come. I don't think she's going anywhere, barring yeah. some very bad luck. I think they need to position her as the the next big star. And whatever the case may be, I think that could be bringing in like Asaki, a Miyuki Takase. I, this is when this is the time when you bring in the occasional freelancer from main event because their young talent just isn't quite ready yet. Can they get to semi mains and get those pushes? Yeah. And like you said, it'll, it'll take probably nine months to get to that point. I think that's a good a good timeline. I would like to see at the end of the year these three young talents being established to be main eventers. I don't think they necessarily have to be the main event. I think that role is still Sakushi and some Sukasa Fujimoto tags. I think that's absolutely going to be the case. So Sakushi, solid run. Uh, good cork and hall attendances. And I have low standards for that right now with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to still see them get uh, 700, 800 plus at their two biggest shows of the year. That is their uh, heading into fall Yokohama show and their Ribbon Mania show, which I think, uh, I mean, they did just sell it out. Uh, <laughs> so that was good uh, as they ended the year. Yep. And there's also a show in kind of at the beginning of summer. Uh, it's like summer jumbo ribbon kind of situation. It kind of changes when they do it each year. And there's also an Osaka ribbon. These two shows, I think, they need to do something a little bit bigger for than what they did last year. Uh, whether that's a bigger main event, uh, I'll keep bringing up Miyuki Takase uh, as as kind of that person they can kind of point to. Maybe even a Makoto. I'll give her some benefit since sure, her, because of her history. I think they need four good shows this year to break five hundred. Uh, I think that's a good. I think that's a good attainable goal. Right, four over five hundred plus a consistency of around or a little bit better than three fifty. Yeah, it's low standards. I, I I do admit that, but I this is a growing, uh, rebuilding promotion, and they got to kind of start right. low. You got to hit small goals to hit big goals. You know what I mean? Right. Like you got to show improvement, and and I'm with you there. I you know for me it's it comes down to I want to see momentum. I, I'm pretty much going to give them a pass the first six months, right? In the sense of I want to see them begin to establish and and kind of. I think that's fair. 
Yes, like just settle into what what this is, right? Whatever. I'll, this I'll is give you. I'll give you some attendance numbers that they got. In uh, so in 2020 was the beginning of Corona, so we kind of kind of hand waved that. But right after that, they got uh, 418, 818 was their big Yokohama show. Yep. 342 after that, 440. So those are kind of those numbers that they were sporting in 2020. In 2021, the beginning of the year, they had 391 for the big Sukasa uh, Suzu match. Not great, but it's kind of there. 400. 400 and 340. So if they kind of start the year like that, not great numbers, but we're in the ballpark of what I'm talking about here. Right. What? Yeah. Right. It, it's interest in what they're going to do. Plus, can you keep those fans moving forward? Right. And if you can, well, now you can begin to find that momentum the back half of the year. Yeah. And, and that's where we get to the Yokohama, the Osaka yep. ribbon. That's where I'd like to see essentially those, those, I think by the time we get to September, we should be getting to our second show that gets over 500. Right. And I think that th- these are all goals that, that are attainable. And then at the end of the year, regardless of who's the champion, um, you've established two or three, um, two or three wrestlers that I hate to say like, oh, that are in the main event, but are towards the top of the card, right? That you're going to trust going into 2023 to make some waves mm-hmm. as well. What do you want to see out of Sakushi? I want to see a year long reign minimum. I think, yeah, it kind of feels is, that way. Doesn't it? It, uh, it just, unless they're going to do something completely, you know, off the script for me, it's like establish her the way you established Maya back in 1819, right? Like just mm-hmm. give her the opportunity to just be the one at the top. Figure out the rest of it. She's got them shoulders to carry that promotion. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like it's just one of those ones where I look at it, I say the like the most stable part of this promotion right now, outside of Sukasa Fujimoto and everything that she brings, is Sakushi. And so you let her be the champ. You let her put on. And again, I would mix it up with freelancers. I would throw a couple of draws. And then again, if Saki doesn't want to be beat or whatever the case is, good. Then throw her there in a draw at the beginning of the reign here. Then let her beat her later. You know what I mean? Like you can find that like reverse. Yeah, type of I, putting yeah. Over I, I mean, I don't, time. I don't love the idea of that, but, but I'd be. You know what I mean when it. I say yeah, it. Like it's based yeah, based in a historical sense, right? If yes. she hits a draw first, but then beats her later, like yeah, the it kind of hurts. In the <laughs> the problem with that JPQ is when there's a draw on ice ribbon with their title, the title vacates. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. That's yeah. That's a that's a big problem. I forgot <laughs> so about that. <laughs> I, I don't. I kind of don't want to see a title vacation. <laughs> but then, but again, hey, that follows that Maya suit a little bit. I mean, it wasn't exactly a draw that led led to a vacate, but you know, yeah, she lost it only the, to win it back. Yeah. Yeah, she already <laughs> so, had the title for like eight months at that point, though. <laughs> exactly. They jailed it for like another eight. Anyway, um, yeah, I'd like to see them. Uh, Sakushi on an ace kind of run. I'm cool with. You know how I feel about my aces. Yeah. Um, so if they're going to establish her as the ace, and that's what we saw at the end of um, 2021, then I'd like to see that continue and really be established in 2022 uh, as the dominant side of the ace. And then as they're doing that, I want them to figure out, uh, I kind of call it the undercard, but I want them to figure out the rest of the roster, right? Who are your players? Who are the people that you're going to move up? I don't really care about the long-term people coming in so much, um, like the wrestle uh, circle, which again, Sukushi's not the head trainer of that too, right? She's a hook over training um, the youngins coming up through Wrestle Circle. I think she's. I think that was. I announced. mean, she she basically runs the dojo, the wrestling circle, and I mean they got a number of players in the back. They're they're fine. They're totally fine with training and 
management. Yeah, they even so, they even brought in somebody new as Mio Shirai is pregnant right now. Right. So they they brought a, another person in to kind of take her spot as she's out. So they're they're fine when it comes to management. Perfect. Right. So so I want to see some of that some of that payoff towards the end of the year, and then I want to see some of this you know, talent that we have been seeing begin to be pushed. And again, who is kind of irrelevant right now? Like I can make a case for a couple of people, but you could sell me on, uh, um, uh, Hem- or Humico for a while. Ah, you know what I mean, I, like I don't I, mind him coming <laughs> in and, and, and being a, a thorn in Sakushi's side for a little bit. If it just keeps us engaged. Right. In a lot well, of ways. They, so they did do, they did do a little bit of that in 2021. They sure did. Actually they're you know what? I'll play, I'll play ball. They, they got yeah, a, they got a story they can do there with Hamako Hoshi. Absolutely, you can tie that back. And again, just a couple months, just to kind of wait in Tsukushi the water until beats up her daughter in January. Ham comes in. <laughs> hey, wait a second. <laughs> just a minute. Just but, a hey, wait a. <laughs> I think it works. I think it works. And I think that if by, you know, this conversation that we tend to have annually next year, if. Ice Ribbon can be in a position to where they have clear direction and we have a little bit more of a defined undercard with Sakushi at the top and prominence and, and colors helping to put over the younger talent moving into 2020. I think those, those are all wins that that that, that uh, Ice Ribbon has going in the right direction. The reason I'm confident in this is because we've seen them do it before. So unlike other promotions, you know, they have a track record that shows that, hey, it's going to take us a couple years, but we're going to be back to where we were, if not better than we were before. I'm excited to see that prospect come to life. Yeah, me too. I sure hope so. All right. Look at that. Boom. And it on a positive, baby. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> um, JD, you know, again, you and I talk pretty much every day. Um, you know, we've been on, on each other's shows and you know, in any iteration, um, you got a great insight for not just the feel of uh, different wrestling promotions around the world that you cover every two weeks on your podcast. But, you know, again, you bring an element to this and a different way to, to think about wrestling that, you know, in a lot of ways goes on underappreciated. So, you know, tell the people where can they find you and, and where can they find the insight, you know, uh, of JD? Yeah, it's a Redley Fredrocast. Uh, don't just do wrestling. You also do kind of anime and video games uh, every two weeks as well. <clears throat> That's been going on for a number of years. Uh, the wrestling covers uh, the European scene, WXW in Germany. <laughs> I think I might be the only podcast that does that, really. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I do a lot of Joshi. do a lot of Joshi talk. Uh, my co-host, Kay, who does the Big Egg Joshi podcast on the side, uh, he has a big historical knowledge himself. Uh, which is really appreciated. He's going to kind of concentrate on the Oz Academies, the pure J's of the world for this year, because this free agent market and the just unknown of (laughs) where the scene is at right now, trying to just essentially survive. uh, That's what he's going to be focused on a lot for the podcast. So I'm excited to hear what he kind of comes back with. Uh, We'll still be doing some TJPW, obviously ice ribbon, uh, lots of stardom. Love the stardom. <laughs> that's that's the, in, I mean, all point, figures point to them rising. Yep. Uh, they're competing for the number three spot in the country for, mm-hmm. for the best promotion and largest, which is awesome to see. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of stardom talk. Uh, you know, AEW, New Japan, Don't we don't ignore them. We have fun watching them, too. Well, New Japan to an extent these days, but you get the idea. 
And we have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash RedleafRetroCast. Joshi2010's journey. Very proud of it. Uh, covering the Joshi scene. Coming out of those dark ages into 2010. And leading up to kind of where we, we see it today. And a lot of these uh, wrestlers that you've really come known to love. Io Shirai, Hikaru Shida, uh, Emi Sakura, and the like. Uh, the Joshi 2010's journey is very fun. Uh, we use most of the Patreon money just to try to get these old DVDs, which are quite difficult at times. And then on the higher tiers, I do LLPW reviews, which is a uh, promotion from the 90s, Joshi promotion. And Kay does JD Star reviews from the early 2000s, which was a kind of an important promotion on essentially how a business model of how these promotions survived in those dire years in ages. So we each have, we each have our own uh, pet projects that we do on the higher tiers than the Joshi 2010s on the lower one. That's Redley Fletcher cast on Patreon. Yeah, man, you guys check it out. All. Yeah. Doing it all. You cover it all. Um, again, if you have any questions about ice ribbon, I would direct you to JD and decay over at Redley Retrocast. If you have any questions in general, where you can begin to watch and how can you find out about this and tell me more about these wrestlers, feel free to reach out to us. We're always talking, but more importantly, we're always talking just joking. Welcome back to part four of our baseline episode here on Just Joshi for PWI. Uh, as is the case with most things we love, we save the best for last. The independent Joshi scene over the last couple months has gone through well, a little bit of a shakeup. Closings, retirements, free agents out there in the ether, freelancers making a name for themselves, freelancer factions. Things that we're going to talk about today, right now, we're experiencing a little bit of all of it heading into the beginning of 2022. I don't think the dust has settled just yet, um, but that's for another show. Today, to close out the baseline episode of Just Joshi, I brought my friend, and in my humble opinion, the hardest working man in Joshi, Alex Richards from, man, let's talk about it. Last word on sports, last word on sport, or last word on pro wrestling, Victory Through Guts podcast, and of course, my favorite, the Stardom Quest podcast to discuss everything within the current independent Joshi scene. Welcome, homie. How are we doing today, man? Ah, uh, you know, I'm I'm good. I uh I did Stardom Quest earlier today, so I got all of my my stardom energy out there. I uh I've I've raved about Tekla enough for the day, so now I'm ready to uh to push that Nozaki agenda. That's right. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Michael or, or Michael or Mayumi. Where are we going? Um Mayumi. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? That's smart because if she listens to this, you gave the right answer. Um, mm -hmm. Knowing what we're dealing with here, man, we're kind of in a little bit of a realignment in a lot of ways. First question out of the gate, given all the moves in the last couple months, what's your opinion of the overall independency and in moving into 2022? You know, assuming we can see it, um it's a lot of it's going to be really interesting because you have so many different elements now coming together um and you have a lot of talents who previously were very isolationist who are now 
free to work with a wide range of opponents. I mean, you just look at colors or you look at something like prominence and you think, you know, these people are going to turn up in a lot of different places and they're going to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, So the independent scene as a whole is just moving into this really exciting direction where anything can happen almost at the time being. And that's always the best way for wrestling to be, really. Yeah, I'd agree. I guess kind of where I am on this is I'm trying to figure out why we're seeing such um, you know, such a breakup in a lot of ways from, from wrestlers leaving. I mean, we're used to wrestlers retiring. That's pretty normal if you're a Joshi fan at this point. But, mm-hmm. you know, the loyalty aspect has always kind of been an underlying theme uh, with a lot of the promotions and a lot of the wrestlers and things like that. My question to you, do you think Assemble, when that came together, do you think that kind of expedited these wrestlers kind of looking around like, you know, if we kind of focus more on the freelancer side or if we team together as freelancers and and shop ourselves, are we going to put ourselves in a better position financially given pandemic and everything that's going on? Um, Do you think that that Assemble kind of opened up wrestlers eyes to like hey there's a little bit more you know meat on the bone if i could go to different places or do you think that's just more of uh me overanalyzing it coming out of the pandemic um i mean i would be surprised if if assemble did play some part i just think it's it's wrestlers reacting to the pandemic with you know their home promotions not making as much money maybe mm-hmm. them seeing the potential to make more money doing dates otherwise otherwise or like in the case of prominence, you have maybe they see a niche that they want to go after and they see potential to make money doing the Joshi deathmatch stuff, doing the occasional date with DDT or whatever. Um, or even just with colors where their promotion just said, we aren't doing wrestling anymore. So they're banding together to kind of keep running shows and keep momentum while also, you know, now that they're colors, they can still work with Wave, which is a really smart idea from them. And it's the same with Takase doing the Team YOLO thing. Like once you have that alignment, you kind of do open some more doors for yourself. So I think a lot of it is just wrestlers trying to make money um, at a time where promotions just can't fully sell buildings. Yeah, no, I think that's good insight. What uh, speaking of, actually, let's, let's let's jump right into that then, right? Because you you mentioned a promotion that I'm going to give you a lot of credit, right? You're the one that help to facilitate and get me into um, um, different uh, Joshi promotions. The biggest one last year being Pro Wrestling Wave. Now, you know, we're going to kind of go through the gambit. We're going to talk about the ones that kind of stayed the same going through 22. And we're going to try to talk about some of the ones that, uh, you know, in, in a way kind of fresh coat of paint, right? And um, the thing about Pro Wrestling Wave is that I, re- I, I was only ever really – um, I only ever really knew the 2016, right. And some 2010 stuff and, you know, and some their 2010s stuff, I should say, uh, you know, some of the catch the wave tournaments and things on YouTube, things mm-hmm. of that nature. And so this was the year that I really kind of followed it more chronologically, you know, most importantly to you, uh, because you, you know, you hooked me up, um, and, and many ways to keep me, um, invested in what's going on. Pro Wrestling Wave seems to be at the epicenter, um, of a lot of these freelancers and a lot of where, you know, the, the next up and comers, the, the established younger talent, as well as, you know, the sign veteran presence come together and put on really entertaining shows that run the gambit from serious championship level matches to 
fun, goofy quirkiness, um, you know, in, in their shows, you know, what, what do you love so much about pro wrestling wave? Because in my opinion, based off the conversations you and I've had and what I've seen this year of all the independent Joshi promotions, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the most based. And I only use that word because I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, listen, wave, like any promotion that has Sakura Hirota signed, and on every show is immediately one of the best going. Like Hirota to me is a genius, like a comedy genius, a fantastic wrestler, uh, somebody who will not ever get the credit she deserves. And uh, she's really at the heart of what makes Wave so good a lot of the time. Um, but also just around her, you have this like really entertaining core with like Yuka Miyazaki, who's also uh, fairly good at the comedy stuff. You have them bringing in Hibiscus Me, and then you offset that with their really good eye for talent, their partnerships with really interesting promotions, and all that comes together for a promotion that is easily able to go from comedy to good wrestling to you know this great rookie who's going to be really good in a few years' time, and it's just a perfect mix really of everything that really makes Joshi exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think. Um... Not to say that there's a there's one representation of what the independent Joshi scene is, but I do find that there's a good cross section and wave where you get a little bit of everything, and then depending on you know who who you're drawn to at a wave show, like that leads you into you know a different style of Joshi, right? Because pe people try to pigeonhole that don't know pigeonhole Joshi into like one style, right, or one. Mm -hmm move set. That's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's a, there's a bevy of different styles and a bevy of different, um, you know, things that go into quote unquote Joshi, uh, you know, which just translates to female combatant after all. Uh, it's so, so knowing that like pro wrestling wave in a lot of ways, I think is a great cross section, right. Of what you can potentially find within, within, uh, in Joshi, let alone the independent Joshi scene specifically. Um, and I just think that they had a phenomenal year. You know, I look at them and mm -hmm. I say, they're, they're pulling strong attendances, and I'm not really the one that pays attention too, too much to that. Although, you know, you, you kind of see it when you're watching. You know, the more people, you know, the more fun the, the, the audience can be type of thing. Yeah, whether it's – I don't know who the draw is. I don't know if it's Nozaki and, and everything she brings in the quote-unquote main event scene or Hirota and just her drawing power over the years, you know, or the fact that they're – you know, they're giving opportunities to the Takases and the Katakoras and the Itzkiaukis of the world you know, where they're putting them in, you know, front and center prominent positions. And they're saying like, Hey, go win a tournament and, and go convince the crowd that you can go be somebody. Right. And in the fundamentals of pro wrestling, you know, building the stars underneath of you is important. And it seems like wave just enjoys, you know, these tournaments to put these people in the position to champ or to, to buy for titles. And, and that's just a cool thing to see over the course of 2021. Yeah, and especially like this year, Wave had the uh, they had the young block to uh, to earn a spot in the Cash Wave tournament, and that was just all you know really young talent from various different promotions. There was you know names from JTO. There was some marvelous in there. I think mm -hmm. um, I can't fully remember the field for the young Wave, but it was just really interesting to see entire shows dedicated to these young wrestlers. And they're all fighting for the very understandable goal of getting into the Catch the Wave tournament. Um, and that was obviously a tournament that Tomoka Inaba won. But that tournament, like, that really helped her progression as a wrestler overall. Because she got to do something so different in Wave than what she does in JTO. And I think that's one of the biggest things about Wave is that, 
you know, you might be a mid carder in your own promotion, but you come to wave and you're, you're in the tag scene, or you might be a main eventer in your own promotion, but you come to wave and you're going to be, you know, in the mid card doing a comedy feud with Sakura Hirota. You know, it's something that it takes all of these different wrestlers and puts them in a different situation than you're used to seeing them in and really helping them grow and develop their full skill set. And I think that's really, really cool to see uh, come to fruition because, you know, when you're a Joshi fan, you you do end up coming uh, becoming a big fan of like seeing that steady progression of a wrestler from when they debut to when they finally become the star that they will be. Um, and Wave is just one of those promotions where that is very visible and they really help to facilitate that. And it's it's just really entertaining. Yeah, I agree. I for me, it's I mean, not that we you know, I you know what I'm going to make it up an award. Why not? Uh, I, I'm giving it the best. You know, in my opinion. It's the best independent Joshi promotion in uh, in wrestling in 2021. Like it just is in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's just for every reason that we've talked about. I'm just a huge fan of what they've been able to do. And ironically enough, I can't watch it. Right? I can barely support <laughs> it. Like I just want them to open a Venmo or open, you know, uh, some type of donation. Like let me throw you money because at this point, if I can't get the shows without, um, you know, interesting means, it's yeah, it's you're not going to see it. You know what I mean. So you have this little nugget of uh, of fun that that you need to kind of go seek and find. And so you know that's half the fun of of being a Joshi fan is finding these kind of uncovering these you know uh, hidden gems, so to speak. But really, you know, given the year that Pro Wrestling Wave has had, given where people considered that they were, um, and and quote unquote, you know, where they are now. I think that they're on the upswing. I think they're carrying a lot of momentum into 2022. So something that we're definitely going to keep paying attention to as we progress through, through the year here. Uh, and if you're not a fan for whatever reason, pro wrestling wave, sorry, because we're talking about it <laughs> for the next 12 months minimum. <laughs> I promise you that uh, let's, let's pop over to, uh, to our guyism. Um, uh, groups here. We got Marvelous Pro Wrestling, Sendai Girls, um, Women's Pro Wrestling, both of which in a lot of ways, I'll tell you, carried a lot of momentum through the first half of the year, um, working together and, and getting to June. But I'm not going to say that they finished as strong as I would have hoped. Um, is that a fair estimation in your eyes? Um, yeah, no, definitely. Like um, Sendai Girls fell into a lot of their usual traps where they can kind of go from being really, really good and doing lots of stuff to just being unmotivated. And I think that really showed in the latter half of the year. Um, and Marvelous obviously was rocked by, you know, they had to, they had three talents leave in the middle of the year, um, right. one of whom was Meiho Shizuki, just one of the best up and coming wrestlers in Joshi at the time. And then Mio Momono also got hurt, which, you know, completely destroyed their flow because she, was one of the bright spots of the Joshi scene as a whole in 2021. Um, and then for her to get injured, just as they had these massive departures, it just left them as a bit of a shell of what they were. Um, it is now basically Takumi and uh, her her buddy, uh, Rin Katakura, with, you know, Tomoko Watanabe, who, no offense to her, is um, definitely physically past it, given she wrestled in AJW uh, at its peak. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those where it's not really their fault, but, you know, when you lose so much talent, uh, there's not really much you can do to, to keep your momentum strong. Yeah, I appreciate the um, the pivot that they made. I mean, it was, 
you know, Sendai Marvelous, back and forth, back and forth, up, building towards, um, you know, Gaiism. And then the injury to Mio. I think Maria was out for a little while, came back. Mm -hmm. And then the exodus, in a sense, of the three. Um, I, I don't remember the exact story um, behind that, whether they were kicked out or they left, right? Um, either one. I'm a 50-50, I forget. But it's, so that happened. And I like the move that they made by then kind of, hitching their wagon to stardom to finish out the year, right? Keep Maria who, you know, again, she won a, um, she, she found herself in a spot to or to try to become number one contender for the wave title at the end of the year. You know, mm -hmm. she's definitely somebody that is gaining steam, uh, only being around for a couple of years, you know, so to partner her with Takumi and partner her with Rin Katakura and then to send them over, to stardom and and we know that Rossi and Chagusa have a good working relationship. I think those are all good moves. I don't think I think they're probably better off than Marvelous is, um, given the fact that a lot of it was in startup. And my hope is in 2022 that we see kind of that favor return back a little bit. And you know, I know the joke is Unagi versus you know whoever over in Marvelous, but the idea is you know it would be nice to see a little bit of shared talent so some of those houses from Marvelous begin to pick up. Uh, Sendai, where I think Sendai Girls, the promotion kind of lost a little bit of traction towards the back end. Like, I don't really think that they capitalized as well as I hope they would have on, um, on, on Gaiism. You know, they partner with Glee. They're great. <laughs> I knew it was going to do it. I knew it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, they partner with great. And, you know, that's been a good spot for them. It was fun watching Dash, uh, get in there and kind of mix it up. Not my you know, favorite match in the world, but you know, for them to be able to find a partnership and, and still say relevant without having to run Sendai show after Sendai show after Sendai show with, you know, let's be honest, it's Hashimoto and, and Dash and, and, and Awada and, and Eureka, right? I mean, really, mm -hmm. you're not really dealing with much more than that. And so how many variations do you have? Let's throw them into, you know, more of a, a UWF type of ordeal um, with Miyagi and, and have, a little bit more interesting things to talk about. I think those were all good moves. Will it pay off long-term? We'll find out. But in the short term, create a little buzz at the end of the year. I thought it was good, albeit for both of them. The promotions themselves, I don't know what, if they'll benefit or not, but the wrestlers are staying relevant, and that's important. Yeah, and especially with um, with Sendai Girls, is that obviously like Miko Satomura, that's her promotion. She was the very heart and soul of that for the longest time. Yeah. And now she's over in NXT UK. Obviously, she's the women's champion there. Um, and I think we're starting to see, I assume, Chihiro Hashimoto put her stamp on Sendai Girls as kind of running the show. Um, you know, like, I'm not sure Miko would have ever booked, you know, Asuka and Saki Akai and uh, Itsuki Aoki on some of these shows. But, you know, Hashimoto does. And maybe we're going to see Sendai bringing in some different talent because these are people that Hashimoto wants to work with rather than, okay, well, Miko knows Hirota and Miko knows Iger, so she's going to put them on the undercard just out of loyalty or friendship or whatever. Um, so I think that's one of the interesting things to me about Sendai Girls is we're maybe going to see more of what Hashimoto's vision is or Dash's or whoever is like running the show we're going to see more of their vision for what the promotion could be this year. And if they do that and they start to book really good talent and just keep doing the big matches, like in a few days time, they have, I think it's Saki Akai versus Mike Wata. Great match. You know, I don't think anybody's going to say no to that one. They have like Asuka and a match as well. 
like you keep using these talents and you put them in big matches, people are going to be interested, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's the interesting thing about, you know, the three, and if you want to throw Eureka in there, four pillars of Sendai is people want to see them wrestle these different wrestlers that we see wrestle all the time on these Joshi shows, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've promoted, and I actually did it over on, uh, on your website. It's Giaoki in the crazy year that she had, where it seemed like every time I put on any type of Joshi show that wasn't starting or TJPW, she was on it. Mm-hmm. To see her be able to kind of mix it up uh, with the Sendai girls on a Sendai show, that's, you know, that's that's refreshing for people that I've seen wrestle for, you know, now three, four years. Um, and it's nice to see a lot of picking up W's finally, right? I think we're all in agreement that a lot of not being the pin eater 100% of the time is a, is a win. For, for everybody involved. So so I agree. I think that uh, bringing in some of the freelance work, kind of setting up some some working relationships where, you know, it's people coming into Sendai instead of Sendai kind of going out to other people would be a great strategy for them in, in 2022 to con- kind of continue, you know, finding their footing, um, you know, in a world where Sedamora isn't here, you know, um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the second time, I think, in Hashimoto's career. So, you know, that's, Exciting, and we'll see how it kind of plays out. Uh, moving on in the stay the same section, we've got Pure J. Um, I'm gonna let you take the lead on Pure J because I just jumped into their YouTube monthly sub. I think you know it's a it's a model that works and is very simple for people uh, over in the West to be able to kind of get behind and support. And what I've been watching, I've liked, and where again, I got a shout out wave. The, the reason I got into it was watching Leon versus uh, uh, Yumioka for the Openweight mm. Championship over in um, the summer show, Summer Wave. That show was phenomenal. That match was phenomenal. I enjoyed the build towards it. I enjoyed the promo package with Blackpink playing in the background <laughs> and everything that kind of came with that match. I just found it a hard-hitting match. And I was like, man, I'm really missing out on Pure J. So let the people know, when it comes to Pure J, you know, they got early buzz. People seem excited about moving over to them. Why do you think that is? And, and what do they have to offer? Yeah. I mean, I, I've pushed a lot of people into, into picking up pure J now that like actress is gone. Like a lot of people I know who are actress fans. I was like, Hey, you, you should watch pure J. And it, it seems to have worked. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a promotion that I tried to start really pushing um last year i think i used to like review them uh for voices of wrestling like i would write reviews for some of their bigger shows um just to kind of get their name out there um and they're just a really strong promotion they are essentially the con- a continuation of jwp uh this is the same jwp that was one of the big three in joshi in the 90s that company kind of petered out obviously right. um and there was a weird naming rights issue and essentially pure j spawned from that so they can they kind of take the style of old Joshi and have made it a bit more modern. Um, so you have like the, the core of the roster is the really strong veterans in Hanako Nakamori and Leon, two of the best veterans you can have. And then they have, you know, some of their own trained talent, like Akari, Kreia, Achia, Azora, who are all really, really good at what they do because Command Bolshoi, unsurprisingly, is a great trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have this like talented core of a roster working a really pleasing house style like the house style is very stiff very high paced there isn't a lot of wasted motion and almost anybody is going to enjoy a match like that so now that you have them you know very accessible on youtube 
they seem to be working with Seedling, which has been a fantastic partnership for them. Like Arisa Nakajima obviously fits the Pure J style, given she was you know trained by JWP originally. Yep. So you just have like these really, really great matches, really, really good wrestlers. And it's a promotion that's just really easy to watch. You know, the shows are never that long. Sometimes you get three or four matches. Um, and they're always just, they never go super long either. Um, and they also mix in some of the entertaining stuff. I remember Hanako Nakamori had a match once where uh, they, they had a puddle, uh, an air quotes puddle in the middle of the ring. And if you stood in the puddle, you lost, you know? <laughs> like they just, they throw in that random fun bit every now and then when like Kyori Yonayama comes around. And uh, so they, they do mix like the stiff, high octane, really great wrestling with some of the entertainment aspects. Um, and I just like, it's it's a really fun promotion and it's one of my favorite promotions to watch. And uh, it's one that I really hope takes off in the new year. Yeah, no, I agree. I, from what I've watched, and I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of these wrestlers are Kari and, and Kreia and, and, and obviously Commander Bolshoi and, and all these people. But I, I like the way you kind of talked about it being like a house show, because when I watched it, one, I love our wrestling. So you give me one hour of wrestling more times than not, I'm going to kind of fawn over it because it's, mm -hmm. it's just enough to kind of, kind of, you know, keep me satiated without taking up my entire evening. So being able to kind of get in and get out in a lot of ways is very uh, palatable and digestible for my schedule. But then you add to that, to, to your point, you know, that it's rooted in fundamentals, right? And it's rooted in a, in a stiff style where the ring doesn't give as much in some other promotions and you, you feel because it's a little bit more of a, a raw presentation that when they're hurting, like you as the fan, it's almost like you're in the crowd, right? Because mm -hmm. there is no stands and you know, you, it feels a little claustrophobic. Um, so when they're, you know, bouncing and, and bumping, you're feeling that through, through the phone and, or through your web browser, it's a huge win. Right. Um, as far as the intimacy with with pro professional wrestling in general. So so I really enjoy what Pure J is doing. And that's going to be one that I kind of follow suit on through the course of the year, because as I'm deep diving into this, I'm just enjoying it more and more as I put together kind of the pieces. So, you know, Pure J, if you're new to it and you're interested in it, YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel for like 10 bucks a month. Not a huge commitment. And, and you can check out their entire catalog. Right. I mean, I've gone back and. You know, they've got a good, you know, 700 videos to take a look at and and show everybody kind of what they're doing. So, um, love love Pure J uh, in that aspect. Moving on, and this is where we're going to kind of get to. I'm going to end it on a on a on a high, right? <laughs> but I want to talk about uh, a couple more before we get to 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 JTO, which I know you're kind of jumping at the bit for. Uh, got to move, right? It is, yeah, it is its own world, man. You know, and I mean that in the best possible way. It's if you're part of the Gato move, they do things so much, so much differently than everybody else. And it's not even so much on the wrestling side, but just the overall aesthetic and the feel when you're in those live chats and you're watching these shows and, and they're doing what they're doing. And for a good amount of time now, they've been doing it out with or doing it without May and doing it without Emmy um, and doing it with Lulu Pencil too. Jeez. You know, it's been an Aki show for a little while now, and it's interesting to kind of see how Gato has been evolving since the pandemic started. Um, where, what are your takeaways on Gato? What's uh, where do you where do you fall on? Uh, well, I keep saying Gato, but it's Choco Pro. Let's be honest. Um, where where do you fall on Choco Pro here uh, going into twenty twenty two? 
it's it's a promotion that I unfortunately had to drop from my heavy rotation. They run a lot. You they know, do. they're they're very difficult to keep up with unless it's like your your main promotion. Um and it's also one where they started to incorporate a lot of the intergender stuff and a lot of the the dudes, um, the indie dudes. And I'm not like against intergender wrestling. Like I have no issue with it personally. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just one where I watch Joshi wrestling for the things that make Joshi special. And I don't think these indie dudes really have that. Um, and that's nothing against them. I'm sure they're good. Um, but it's definitely not the same as when it was purely joshi um and i I mean i understand why they made the move i'm pretty sure emmy sakura said it once in uh one of her choco talks she was like i i tried to be a joshi group but i realized like i don't need to like the scene is very vast i don't really need to do just joshi anymore so i think then they kind of dropped that and just started to use obviously guys like chris brooks um noro fujita i think is the the super asia champion i believe so Um, yeah yeah, so they started to use people like that um, a lot more. And that's fair. Like, it, it definitely works for their audience. But for somebody like me who watches Joshi and kind of has to keep up with all of the Joshi for the different articles and stuff that I do, it just gave me less reason to keep up with Gato Move, um, which is disappointing because I did enjoy it. I think it's one of the most unique experiences in pro wrestling when you're watching, you know, Maceruga bounce off a windowsill and hitting a picture perfect arm drag you know there's nothing like it in pro wrestling right yeah when she's when they when she's hanging off the hook and coming across um the <laughs> the little thing and falling yeah. down it's it's it does it does have its own you know affable qualities for sure uh i well here's what i enjoy about or what i like about kind of what they're doing now Right. Is that in a lot of ways, and I'm sure we can kind of draw some parallels as we kind of get to some of these other promotions, but you don't really see um, a, a all women's promotion in any capacity where they begin to really start drawing men in. Right. We mm-hmm. guys in uh, men, uh, male performers, we see a lot of like male or all men rosters. Right. Which will have a couple uh, women's matches on it. Right. And I'm not talking like Western AEW, WWE stuff, but I'm talking more like, um, you know, like pure, like we're seeing a new Japan, right. In a little bit like, Oh, stardom starting to make the new Japan yeah. cards. And, and DDT is investing more in, into, um, you know, these, these hybrid cards of, 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 you know, uh, female wrestlers and male wrestlers. Um, Ch- Choco pro is doing that too, except they're kind of, it's kind of in reverse, right? There was an all female promotion that's now starting to assimilate and bring the men in. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Now I'm not the biggest Antonio Honda fan in the world. So, you know, it doesn't really speak to me too, too much. Um, Although I do like my goofiness for sure. It's, but it's this interesting dynamic of, you know, these, these kind of DDT tweeners, coming in and saying like i can work with them i can work with you i can work with these people and pretty much the following chris brooks um into into chugger pro in a lot of ways and and so i i appreciate that wrinkle because i don't think that's something that i've seen in wrestling yet so like i always enjoy celebrating uh something different you know it's but to your point man there's so much content it's mm. like three shows a week four shows a week and granted it's only an hour or so like it's not a lot but man i feel like I feel like I just finished season two and I think they're on season five right now. Like I feel like I'm so yeah. far behind 
because they're always producing shows. So if you're a fan, you've got the world at your fingertips because they're always producing stuff for you to watch. You know, somebody like you who's constantly trying to keep up with everything, it is one that kind of falls to the bottom of the line because one, it is so accessible that I can literally catch it at any time. Mm-hmm. And two, there's so much of it that I kind of feel overwhelmed. Like, man, even if I die deep dive into this for a little while, as soon as I get into it, I'm going to be behind because they're going to have three or four more shows in the next week. And I'm never going to be able to keep up. Like, it's the reason you don't see a Choco Pro podcast, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you have to do one literally every two days to keep everybody updated with what was going on. And if you're doing a podcast longer than the episodes are, what are we doing? You know what I mean? So, so it's interesting to watch. And, and, but again, I give them all the credit of the world. Emmy took, you know, a, uh, you know, a situation at the beginning of the pandemic and really turned it into something special over the last couple of years. So I root for Choco Pro and I subscribe to it. So I support Choco Pro, but I'm not, to your point, I'm not, I'm not catching it as much as I, as I wish I was, you know what I mean? Just because of time limitations and, and volume overall. Um, okay. So that takes us to Oz Academy. Um, as we talked about the aforementioned Mrs. Ozaki, um, before Oz Academy is just, man, it's a bit of a cluster for me. It just Mm -hmm. is. It's, it's, and I think that's by design, right? It's not good. It's not bad as far as like what they're trying to do, but man, I just want to see a wrestling match in the main event every once in a while. Just want to (laughs) see people go out there and not, you know, it become this crazy, you know, um, I, I could call it a Suzuki Goon kind of, you know, but I think they're better than Suzuki Goon at it at this point. Uh, yeah. Watching Seki Goon go out there and just cause chaos, man! Like it's just every show they're just completely in control. It's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's and it's one of those things where it's like, what do I really need to see everyone? Because I kind of know what's going to happen, right? Where do you fall on Oz Academy? And and again, looking out, looking at the outlook of 2022, they have a formula that seems to be working. Yeah. Do they make a change, or are they just living off Mayumi's name for another year? Um, I mean, at this stage, the the fan base is there for the legends, you know. Like yeah. as, as somebody who's delved into Joshi history, and I've I've seen kind of Ozaki's work in like Gaia Japan, and I've obviously followed Aja Kong's career quite extensively and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The stuff that happens in Oz Academy, it is to play to the nostalgia you know everything seki gun does is exactly what ozaki was doing to your favorite baby face in gaia japan you know (laughs) so it's kind of like taking them back in that way and at the end of the day it is oz academy it is ozaki's home you know it is her promotion right and so long as she's there it will continue to play on that nostalgia and it's you know it works i mean they do really strong crowds uh, even at cork and like they they beat ice ribbon a couple times this year you know not Um, hard (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah i mean i think i i do understand people who get annoyed at the seki gun stuff like i myself have reached the point where i'm just kind of over it you know i've seen heel factions and joshi done at a, you know, perfection when I watched Chigusa Nagayo feud with Dump Matsumoto. You know, nothing right. will ever beat that as far as like heel faction babyface. Sure. So once you've seen that, everything else is kind of whatever. Um, but I do think like as a promotion, the cards are really strong. Like I think the undercards are generally filled with really good matches. Um, you know, they have they're they're a roster that has Aquino on there. And Aquino is one of the best Joshi wrestlers of the past two decades, you know. Yeah. Ask anybody who's seen her. She's amazing. Um everybody in mission 
K4 basically is a really good wrestler. Uh, they book Hiroyo Matsumoto. They book Rini Yamashita. They have Atsuki Aoki there. Uh, they used to book Yoshiko. I'm sure she'll be back now that she's Mayuki. back. Yeah, Mayuki as well. Like there, There's a lot of talented wrestlers in the promotion. And generally, at least once on the undercard, they're going to be paired off. And they're just going to have a really good hoss fight. You know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of follow Oz just for the occasional really good match more than the Oz Academy stuff, which, you know, to, to some people is the main draw. Like if you like the heel tactics, then that, you know, that's, that's cool. That's for you. Um, but for me, I just think there's enough talent there on the roster that there will always be something worth watching. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, the way I always kind of likened Oz Academy um, or try to find, you know, trying to change the way I'm thinking to, to try to enjoy it a little bit more, right? And what I mean by that is, like, let me try to look at it from their point of view. Or let me try to find a parallel that I can sit out and say, like, okay, this is what this is. And so if I watch it under, like, these rose-tinted glasses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it a little bit more. So I always did look at it as, like, it's Ozaki's castle, right? And mm-hmm. anybody who comes in is attacking Ozaki's castle. So when you're attacking or when you're defending your castle, it's by any means necessary. Right. So where she does, it's definitely a bad, like an evil castle. Don't get me wrong. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, you're not as the bad guy in the castle, you're not going to play by the rules. And so in a lot of ways I was able to kind of find harmony there uh, while watching it. But to your point, you, you watch it so many times, you know, you, you sit there and you go like, okay, like, am, am I going to miss something if I miss this show? Um, the nice thing is with VK, you don't have to, right? In a lot of ways. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm hoping for 2022, my wish for Oz Academy in 2022, because they do have a lot of, uh, talent, um, that is appreciated is I'd like to see some retro merch, you know, like why not put out an Oz Academy themed dynamite Kansai shirt from, Mm -hmm. you know, like one that is, looks like it's from the nineties. Why not put out, you know, an Aquino shirt? Um, where like I can sit here and I can kind of support, you know, what they're doing, um, without, you know, having to, to try to focus on finding the shows, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think if they add an element of merch to, to 2022, I think that that could be like a nice short term boost, uh, in, in a little bit of cash flow that maybe wasn't there for the Western fans. Again, clearly I'm talking about the Western fans, uh, as we move forward here, but you know, again, I, 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 I like what you're talking about with it. It's, it's, it's for the fans by the fans of Mayumi Ozaki and you shout out the APW for that, but it's something where I find, you know, really, really interesting that it's so different than everything we watch in, yeah. in, in Joshi wrestling in general. It's so different than any other wrestling promotion in the world in a lot of ways. And, I think because you get a little, you could get a little tired of it. it. It's not as appreciated as it once was. So I think coming into 2022, I'm going to, I'm going to go into it with a more of an open mind to see, I don't know how long Mayumi has left. I'm sure she's got plenty of tread on those tires, but I want to try to enjoy the the run for as long as it goes, because when Oz Academy does go, I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like it ever again. Yeah, no, that's a great point actually. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I stalled. I, I held off as long as I could. Um, the reason Alex agreed to come on and 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 be part of the baseline episode of, of PWI's Just Joshi here is because I promised that we would talk about JTO girls. Now, I'm, you know, somebody that has has watched JTO. I'm somebody that 
enjoys JTO, but I am no expert the way Alex is. So Alex, this is your show, homie. Take us to church. All right. So uh, JTO Girls uh, is obviously the the women's division slash women's brand of Takamishinoku's pro uh, promotion. Um, so it's it's a roster of women that he's trained. Um, at the center of all this is an incredibly talented young woman named Tomoka Inaba. Uh, Tomoka Inaba is amazing as far as aces go. Um, like she can kick the crap out of anybody. She has really stiff kicks, really nice sounding kicks. Um, but she is also like a technical master. So whether it's grinding an opponent down on the mat or beating the crap out of them, she's amazing at that. And she really is at the center of JTO girls and is one of the main reasons to watch it. As well as that though, you just have this core of really well-trained, interesting wrestlers. You know, like Taka really trains to people's strengths. You know, you've got uh, Misa Kagura there who is a former idol and she's basically just forearms the hell out of people because why not, you know? And then there's, uh, there's Aoi, I, I don't know if that's how you say the name, um, but Aoi is like really interesting. She's a she's a former break dancer with all of the charisma in the world, and she's like this really technical wrestler that they got behind right away. And just every wrestler in JTO Girls is like that, where they have a strength, they're trained to it from very early on, and then they're competent as pro wrestlers from the very beginning. And you're on the journey of seeing them improve because they're all very young. And they're all very raw when they debut. But you know within a year or two that they're going to be really, really good. Because this is a promotion that produced Micah, you know? And you look at Micah, she's only been wrestling two and a half years. And she's already one of the best in stardom. So you're seeing, you know, you're watching JTO Girls to see if you can follow the next Micah on her journey. Um, But as well as that, they put on good shows with, you know, Inaba at the core. Um, They have uh, Aki Shizuku. And I think Aki is one of the best independent Joshi wrestlers going. She never has a bad match. She will have a solid outing with absolutely anybody. And JTO is one of the only places that really books her. So if you want to see her having good matches, then JTO Girls is the place to be. And really, everywhere should be after Aki because somebody as talented as her should not be confined to wrestling in front of... 50 people at the the basement monster you know <laughs> um but really yeah um but really that's the charm of jto you know you're just you're seeing them do their best from the very beginning and working with these veterans and working to improve and it's all just really fun to see um and obviously not all the wrestling is great but generally you can at least see the outline of what somebody is going to be yeah yeah, I agree with that. I know that I uh, I popped in for a couple of JTO shows, and you know I was interested in um, I'm going to butcher it, but it's uh, Sumika Yanagawa. Mm, yeah, and it just for I think she's like 29 or 30, maybe 31 at this point. I don't know, something somewhere in that range. She's only been wrestling like a day, right? It's like she's been <laughs> wrestling like I think she started this year. And she's like yeah. five or six matches in. It's not long, but I'm just watching. I'm like, okay, so here's so typically it's like Anab is a good um, um, a good you know comparison because she's 19, right? And you start young and you build it up and you have all this potential and you, and you come from a different background and that's kind of the fun of Joshi 
you know, it's like all these, all these women come from different backgrounds and kind of come in and, and use their athletic prowess. That's so varied uh, from wrestler to wrestler to kind of, you know, make a name for themselves. And then you got someone like Yanagawa who's 30 years old, who's coming in and she's been wrestling for a year and she's just kind of getting worked in a lot of ways by the <laughs> roster. But you're sitting there like, you know, there's something to her when you watch her, like, you know, she could really find herself in a position of, of like anchoring, because I don't think like she'll move on to other things the way like an Anaba would or or the way Micah did, but mm-hmm. like she could really set herself as the foundation of that roster for 2022 and and kind of kind of be that cornerstone to not build the promotion around, but to kind of solidify presence um, at every show. You know what I mean when I say that? Like she's she could be the um, I, th- I think cornerstone is the way to look at it, but she really could be like a, a, a foundation piece for JTO moving forward so that as they have people kind of come in and leave over time, you know, she'll always kind of be there. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for Yanagawa as we, as we go through 2022 and we'll see if that comes, it, you know, it may, it's so, it's so hard for me to say like it will, or it won't because I think she has like nine matches underneath her belt, but uh, it's one of those things where as, as she progresses here, I'm interested to see if she sticks around and if she does, I think she could be something special within JTO for a couple of years to come. Yeah. And, um, not even just her, but like people like, uh, like Kagura, who I mentioned, like, I don't, mm-hmm. unless stardom comes calling, I'm not sure where somebody like Kagura goes other than being just a good baby face addition to your roster to have in sure. the middle of the pack, you know? Um, and that's where Shizuku as well comes in. I mean, Aki Shizuku, she'll always be there for them to use you know she is um she is aligned with like a local promotion but mm-hmm. obviously she will always take the jto dates so she's always like this veteran presence ranked in the top three generally who is kind of like this gatekeeper and she's just really really solid at that role and that's just really one of the things with jto is you can so clearly see them moving people up and moving people down and see their plans with them it's really cool to see play out. Like Tomoka Inaba got to wrestle Minoru Suzuki and he destroyed her. He absolutely sure annihilated her. Yes, he 90 did. seconds. 90 <laughs> seconds. The best 90 second match I've ever seen, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. But that was like part of her growth, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's always just, there's always a means to what they're doing. And it's just really so interesting to watch all of that development take place and kind of figuring out who's going to be the one to go onto bigger things or who's going to be the next Yuri. Um, and then who's gonna who's gonna stay and be the foundation? Yeah. What do you what, what do you take of their their ranking uh, system? Um, it's interesting. I, I like it. I think it very it's very easy to tell stories around rankings. Yep. Like it, if AEW wanted to do it a lot more, I think they'd be more interesting. But you know, with somewhere like JTO where it's a lot more set, they work. They have a lot less shows, obviously. So people moving up and down is easier to coordinate there. And you can easily tell stories around that, like to do with, with Inaba, you know, she just lost the, uh, the top spot there to Yu Yamagata, who's obviously a veteran. So, you know, then the long-term play is for Inaba to beat you and get that top ranking spot back, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I really enjoy That's the one element of uh GTO that I've really enjoyed was, you know, it does, it brings a wrinkle of storytelling in that is built in. So you don't necessarily need, and as somebody, again, who's watching it, uh, maybe, you know, for the first or second time, it, it gives you something to follow, right? It gives you, um, you know, a, a point to, to grab onto and say, okay, I can, under, I can, I can follow this. 
and then you're off to the races from there. So, okay. So that's, so those groups, um, not too much has changed from 2021 into 2022, you know? Yeah. There's momentum and, and there's other people that are, have kind of stalled and, and we're kind of, you know, watching and, and maybe fan bases are, are very, um, not limited, but, um, uh, defined, right. Uh, between pro wrestling wave, marvelous Sendai, pure J Choco pro Oz Academy and JTO girls. And then we have this whole other section of, of Joshi independent that, independent Joshis that have completely, I don't want to say completely changed, but have varied from, from changing a little to changing a lot. Right. And we've seen it Mm -hmm. literally within the last six weeks, you know, it hasn't been long. I mean, that's, that's the thing to pull the curtain back on just Joshi a little bit was this was something that was going to come out at the end of the year and kind of push, you know, through this, you know, uh, awesome period in, in Japanese wrestling where everybody's doing their big shows and it leads into to the new year of stories. And then everything blew up in Joshi and it felt <laughs> like every day something else was happening. Somebody else was going away. Somebody else was doing something different or there was a redesign or a rebuild or a reborn or re whatever adjective you want to throw in there it, or verb you want to throw in there. It's just, you look at these companies, Seedlings, Colors, Prominence, uh, Gambaret, Pro, Diana, they're all doing different things in 2022 than they did in 2021. And as ex- as excited as I am for Pro Wrestling Wave, as excited as I am <laughs> for all of these, um, cons- the consistency of everybody that we've talked about so far going into 2022, the unknown is just so exciting to me. And when you've got seedling, for example, let's start there. Without Nane Takahashi moving forward, and Tayo Natsuki comes in, and she's going to be the head booker, and she's going to be the one that's going to run this company moving forward. What should we expect from seedling in 2022? Yeah, that's that's one of the the interesting ones, isn't it? Like, um, like. To, to me, I think they will mostly stay the same. And I, I do think we'll see Nanai still showing up in, in Seedling. I don't think it's a full break at all. I just mm-hmm. think it's her wanting more power over what days she does and doesn't work based on her physical and mental health, you know? Yep. Um, but I could definitely see somebody like Arisa Nakajima getting a lot more influence because obviously she's one of their their only main eventers really now absolutely um and so i think we might see her put her stamp on the promotion a little bit more we might see them edged a little bit more towards what jwp was more so than what ceiling was which was you know nanai's vision and as you you know we saw with like they tried to introduce the factions and they did storylines around that and all that sort of stuff i don't know if arisa nakajima and tayo keep that sort of stuff so it's one where we could see different names coming in. We could see different partnerships take place. We could see different types of storytelling, in you know, implemented. Um, but a lot of it is really just up in the air, and we won't really know until we see what a ceiling card looks like. Now that Tayo is in charge fully, and I don't know when their first show is this year, um, or even who's booked. But it'll definitely be interesting to see who they do bring in and who they keep working with. Yeah, it's uh right. It's I mean you think about their you think about their last show of the year on the 26th, 
right? And it's mm-hmm. it's in a sense, I want to say it's it's um, Takahashi's farewell, but that's kind of tongue in cheek because she's not really going anywhere. Um, like she'll be around, I would believe, in in seedling in twenty twenty two. Just to your point, without the commitment of having to work dates or work shows, we saw high speed Hota, right? Mm-hmm. We saw uh, Yoshiko return, like. There's, there's, you talk about, I mean, not going out with a bang because it was a, in a sense, it was a farewell show, retirement show, um, or not retirement show, but like leaving the promotion type of show. For Nane, you know, the, the, it opens up questions to be asked, right? Yes. What does ceiling look like in 2021? I, I, or excuse me, in 2022, I'm not certain that we don't see more out of them in, mm-hmm. in 2022. You know, you, you look you know, back at their year, right, in a lot of ways. And there was only ever one or two shows a year, or excuse me, a month, and some months only having one show. And so, and that's kind of been their MO their entire uh, career, you know, or excuse me, their entire um, um, uh, tenure as, as, a, as a promotion is that you're only getting like, I think the benchmark for them is like close to 30 shows a se- uh, 30 shows a year, but mm-hmm. you're only getting like, around 22 to 24 shows a year. I wonder if, if Tayo's sitting there like for this thing to, to continue, it's not do less. It's, we got to do more. And Nani sat there and shows, I can't do more. And they're like, all right, well then just, you know, we'll pop you on freelance and boom, we'll, we'll take this baby and we'll run with it. Maybe, right. Maybe that's, that's what they're, maybe that's the pivot that they're going to make going into 2022. We'll see as it progresses. I'm interested to see with Yoshiko coming or coming back the way she did. Um, I mean, she's down, you know, good amount of weight mm-hmm. in the best way possible. I mean, she had those back injuries and my concern was, is that there was some atrophy, right? She's been out for a while. She's lost all this weight. Is the strength going to be there because the size isn't there anymore, you know, and are we going to get a quote unquote weaker wrestler? Right. And then watching her wrestle, it's like, well, one, her speed's better. Her flexibility's better, right? She's not broken. And that was the concern. Um, and whether that was concern trolling or genuine, I'm not sure online because you can never tell really, but was it more of, you know, her getting into a better athletic state to be able to handle the, the bumps in wrestling versus it being more of a general health thing. And I'm telling you, if it's the former, if it's that she's more athletic, she's faster, she's keeping the weight off because, uh, it's better for her body for professional wrestling. that's a very exciting place to be, you know, yeah, it sucks that you're losing Nane, but man, you've just picked up, you know, another main eventer in a roster that has three active wrestlers to, to kind of help guide you through the uncertainty at the beginning of, of the thing here. So, you know, I, I'm excited for that, the potential of that provided that she continues to wrestle, right? Cause we don't know yet a hundred percent. Yeah. Make it the year, but if she's coming back and this wasn't a one-off or a short-term thing, that's terribly exciting for seedling uh, and what I'm going to call the, you know, the new era, right? I've been pushing new era in seedling now for a couple of weeks. So, you know, seedling there is, is interesting. They have probably the best rookie. I know I kind of uh, prop up Eureka a bunch, but you know, beast kid is as advertised, right? She is um, just a killer. She's fun to watch. She gets, you know, she gets in there and she mixes it up and she works stiff and she's got a good power game to her. And she's so young that she should only continue to, to get better in all of those categories. You know, 
what do you see? Do you think that they're going to do more shows? Do you think they're going to do less? Do you think they kind of stay the course at two a year? Um, you know, I know that you're not looking for too, too much of a difference outside of maybe a, a, a little bit of a free freelance flip on who they bring in. But, you know, what what do you expect from a date perspective from Seedling moving forward? Um, I think it'll be similar or less. I okay. think Tayo and Nakajima were both involved in promotions that tried to stay alive by running as often as they could. You know, Tayo was obviously with uh, with Neo Ladies along with with Nanai sure. and uh, Arisa Nakajima was in JWP, and those are promotions that tried to stay alive by sheer volume of events. So I think they have seen that just running more doesn't always work, and I think for Seedling they've kind of got that nice little kind of groove where okay we're gonna get this many fans once a month and that's gonna sustain us for you know whatever else we do to to get money in um doing the shows as they are is getting us enough to book these four match cards and we're making money through this um so why change it because i think if you do push it a bit more not only do you run the risk of really overexposing a small roster um but you also just risk running off people paying i mean obviously seedling is a you have to pay-per-view for their shows if they run too many people aren't going to pay like we've seen that issue with stardom you know stardom has a heavy piracy just because stardom ran what four high price pay-per-views in the space of 60 days that's just not feasible for anybody really um and i think seedling has to really try to avoid that issue because i don't think they have any say in how much their pay-per-views are priced at but they have to make the most of that to make sure that they're selling the most pay-per-views they can each time out. And the best way to do that is really to load up one card a month rather than trying to run three and maybe running through a lot of your big matches too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it. I, uh, I think that's a storyline we might have to play out this year. So at the over under on the shows, you know, if we're averaging 22, I don't know. I think I like the logic. Right. And I like the historical um, backing of it too, especially with the recent and, and, and Tayo. So the reasoning sound, I just don't know. Like, I think people get excited about new things, you know? And I think if, you know, at the beginning of the seedling conversation, if, if Tayo can do something different and that, and that's really what it's going to be predicated on. Like if they stay the same, then you're right. Like there's no way that you can expect more with less, but I think if she does something different and I don't think she'll go like a hundred percent high speed or anything like that, that would be crazy. But I think if she can create a little bit of buzz early and get people invested in the potential of the shows coming up, I think we could see maybe two and a half shows a month instead of two, right? Or one and a quarter or one and three quarters, the way we have the last couple of years. Um, I guess time will tell. I think that'll be one. I'm going to keep a track of that. And then I'm going to kind of pepper pepper you online with it to see if uh, <laughs> if we can uh, kind of make that a storyline moving forward through the year, uh, which will be fun. But yeah, so Seedling's made a change. Um, I'm I'm wishing the best for Nane. I want her to I I want her to tour the states. Selfishly, I think she should follow the U route, come over to DPW, pop an agent <laughs> for a hot second. You know, kind of work the indie teams. Like Rena had a great run with GCW on the on the deathmatch side. No reason why Takahashi can't come in and make a little name for herself. Uh, against Alley Catch and some things and make some money, promote seedling, you know what I mean, in the interim, and uh, and see if they can't get a couple more buys. But you're right, thirty dollars a pop, 
for at most five shows, you're talking $6 a match. You know, you're never going to feel like $90 in a month for ceiling is going to be worth it. So I'm, I'm with you there on the spending commitment aspect. So we'll, we'll see what they do. Um, but I think your arguments sound and, and we could see maybe a little less instead of a little more, but I'll play the optimistic card for now. Um, let's pop this into colors. Cause that's the one, man, I think that's the, probably the one with the most change in a lot of ways. And we're running a little long, but we got to take our time and talk about it. We got Colors Girls Pro Wrestling Unit, a freelance faction. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, coming from what used to be, but still kind of is, but isn't anymore, Actress Girls and Act Ring, which I believe is still running. And then there's Actress Girls, which is same but different, something along those lines. Um, but we had a lot of the... Uh, um, the wrestlers from colors um, kind of form their own little faction here. Um, colors girls pro wrestling unit. It's Saki and Hikari Shimizu uh, galaxy punch, as well as Rina Amikora and, and Yuka Sakurai. Um, these four are making some waves, right? Not just in wave where they were on January 1st, but they're also uh, making waves because they're going to put on their own produce show in, in February. And they got a good amount of time, six weeks here to build. And they've been building now for about a week and a half. It's something where, you know, there's a lot of buzz behind Saki right now and, and supporting everything she's doing. They're doing a great job getting out in front of people on the independency. Like I mentioned wave on one, one that Choco pro yesterday on one, four, they got ice ribbon coming up on, on January 9th, and I'm sure we're going to see dates peppered in between now and, and, and February as well. They're staying relevant. They're getting out in front of people, and they're beginning to promote themselves for the show. Do you, Alex, see this thing turning into a full-blown promotion over time, or is this going to stay a produce show, and eventually, you know, this thing's going to fisher, and people are going to go their separate ways, so to speak? Um, I think it's probably going to be a produce thing. Um mm -hmm. I think the main reason they've aligned so officially is so that they can stay working in Wave. Um, I don't know if most people know this, but Wave has a rule where they are they won't book freelancers. You like if you're a free agent, Wave won't use you. It's why you don't see Rini Amashta there. It's why Asuka isn't there. Mm. Um, so I think that Saki and some of her pals were like, "Well, we like working Wave. Wave likes us. Let's be colors." And I do think she wanted to continue colors because Saki's like colors was Saki's thing. It was. So yeah. I do I do think she wanted to keep it alive. But I think the reason that they're like an official group is so they can continue to work wave. Um so I think to me they will mostly run shows um every now and then, but primarily they will be popping up elsewhere. And that's pretty cool. Like I think that's great. Any promotion could do with a Saki match. Um I'm a big proponent of Hikari Shimizu as well. Uh, yeah. sh big shock there. Um, <laughs> and I think any promotion could do with a match involving one of those two on their shows. Uh, as well as that, I think Colors has like Yuna Mizumori kind of brought along as well. And yeah. Yuna Mon is just one of the a great wrestler, you know, a really great wrestler. So seeing her get more opportunities to work dates is obviously fantastic. So to me, it's just a bunch of talented wrestlers who are occasionally going to run shows with you know their old pals and people that they like and they'll show up then in other promotions and just really add to the card depth because i mean you look at a marvelous like marvelous could do with a arena amikura match or a ami miura 
in the mid card that would just beef out the card really well and then you have Saki up top working with uh, Shimizu and I mean there's your card really beefed out so I think Colors is um, best as kind of a traveling group of wrestlers more than anything um, but if it wanted to be promotion eventually I, I wouldn't I don't see why not I mean it could end up being something where 10 years down the line we look at it the same way we do pro wrestling wave where Saki is now like 40 years old booting young people in the face to <laughs> much to our applause very much so yeah and i like that i like the idea of this uh freelance faction um cohort working other promotions right i like i like them going in and doing dates with marvelous i think that would be something that's beneficial on both sides i think you know them doing the produce shows whenever they can i think is fantastic and whether that can turn into long-term success you know, time will tell based off what they're doing, but you know, got a lot of those quintessential Joshi themes, right? Um, you know, the I, I call it goofy, but I mean that in a in a respectful way, right? There's a joy to watching Joshi from time to time, where it's it can be serious, but it's not a hundred percent serious all the time. And 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 actress girls always kind of brought that out in in different ways, mm-hmm. and so to see that kind of carry on with these four is fantastic visually. You know, with the colors and this and that, I don't mean that to be uh, coy, but, you know, with with all the, the bright colors of, of their uh, marketing and then, I mean, Saki in general, I mean, her whole get up is like 15 colors is I like that plays into the aesthetics of, of what they could potentially be, you know, as a as a brand. I think that all works. And mm-hmm. if it's just traveling together and kind of helping to fill out cards for for the Joshi scene. I think that's a win. If it, if they can turn that into something more, I think that's great too. And on a smaller scale, if it's just the interim right now, as they kind of figure out their next move um, separately, I would be okay with that too, because at least I know that they're all landing on their feet. And so short-term success, middle-term success, or long-term success of colors itself as a, as a unit, I'm excited to see what they can do because, you know, unlike like a prominence, which can do both, but, and we'll talk about them in a second, but are not only pigeonholed, but they're kind of very niche with what they want to do, at least at mm-hmm. the beginning here. Colors kind of has the array, right? Has the full spectrum of, of light. Huh? See what it is there? To, <laughs> to work with um, as they work through the independent Joshi scene, as well as if they get in bed with DDT and, and cyber fight and some of the things that they're doing there. So, you know, again, a lot of options for colors right now and, and so I'm excited to see what comes next with them. So if you haven't yet, focus in on Colors Girls Pro Wrestling Unit moving forward. It's new. They're in it together. They're independent. What's not to like about them? February 12th is their produce show, as well as they're popping up on Wave, Chuckle Pro, Ice Ribbon, and I'm sure Marvelous, Sendai, you know, and everything else here in short order. So uh, Colors, making a name for themselves. One of the biggest, um, man, one of the, most interesting things to come out of Joshi in a little while. Unfortunately, it came out of bad news, which is Actress Girl shutting down. Yeah, the Actress shutting down is a really, um, it's something that I don't think people will fully understand for a few years because Actress was the entry point for people who aren't pro wrestlers. And I'm of the belief that the best pro wrestlers aren't wrestling fans. Um, you know, you look at Sam Nakano, she wasn't a wrestling fan. She came from the dancing world. You look at Natsupoi, you know, she wasn't a wrestling fan to my knowledge. You had actress take these entertainers 
and turn them into pro wrestlers. So not only are they good workers, but they know all the other stuff. They know how to project themselves. They know how to to really sell what they're doing to their audience. Um, and I think without actress, we'll see the scene in a few years lacking talents like that. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I don't think actress in the short term is a huge loss, given that we got colors from it and, and everything like that. But I think in the long term, we will see the damage because that pipeline of entertainment to pro wrestling is seemingly closed. And I, I think I would worry for that kind of talent because that, that, you know, those wrestlers were becoming some of the best in the scene today. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good, I mean, that's good insight there, Alex. I mean, we're talking, you know, it's a very specific type of person coming in that doesn't have the entry point that they had once had. How does that evolve to, you know, again, three, four years from now? So yeah, it's fantastic. Good stuff there. Prominence. Deathmatch colors. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yes, no, um, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. Where do we even begin? I mean, it's, it's, I wrote about it for PWI. Um, a bunch of us covered it for various, uh, for various, um, you know, people it's, it's, it's an amicable split. You know, I want to, I want to lead with that because you know, mm. I've, I've talked with Yappy and, and, you know, um, you know, and she's, she's such a great resource, you know, and she made sure to let me know, like, Hey, like this, it's all good. You know, it's all good. Mm -hmm. And, and we're cool with Risa and Suzu and, and, and everybody. What it's just, it came so sudden for fans that it's hard and, and it's pro wrestling. So you always think the worst in a lot of ways, especially if you're a Western wrestling fan, that, that there was some type of tension, but it doesn't seem to be the case, right? It, Risa, Suzu, uh, Mochi, uh, Makane, and, and Karumi. Oh, Karumi's really, she's coming back. So I haven't really seen her for a minute, but you know, they've, they've been the top or at least the mid, top middle of, of ice ribbon for such a long time. And then this year with all the ice ribbon stuff, um, with all the deathmatch stuff that we saw, like you on hindsight, yeah, the writing was on the wall, but never did it really seem like, you know, I, I didn't have any inkling personally that they were going to make this type of grand scale change. Um, effectively, Ice Ribbon, you could say, is out of the deathmatch business, although they have a deathmatch coming up in like a day or two. You could say they're out of the deathmatch business. They found a prominence, found a very niche market with women's deathmatches. We talk about firsts, right? The way the way I did with Choco Pro and the spin I put on with, uh, men coming into a women's promotion. Female women's deathmatch unit coming into BJW, coming into Freedoms, filling out cards, um, whether it be intergender or not, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. Like they can kind of mix it up with anybody, mm -hmm. you know, but just to even want to have a unit like that on the deathmatch circuit then can come in and be different than what people are used to. In, in those types of um, uh, promotions, I think is interesting. And then you look at it after it happens. And now we got like this wrestle universe partnership starting. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what I thought might be before and maybe still is to some extent, you know, given Reese's, you know, husband and all that type of stuff, you know, you got it and you look like, well, is this just another entity that, that wrestle uh, universe is going to come in and try to pick up and, and either promote or use as filler I got my own theories on what Wrestle Universe is, is trying to do uh, within the Joshi landscape, but 
now we've got, you know, whether it be them working with um, uh, Gake or, or Gake Pro or, you know, uh, coming in on, on some of these other shows, it seems as if, you know, this cyber free agent thing is becoming a little bit more, um, it's coming to the surface a little bit more. It feels like these wrestlers, where they may not be signed to a promotion, maybe they're signed to a company and then they just work, quote unquote, freelance within those entities and then your random death matches on the outside. Where do you think prominence is three, six months from now? Um, are they their own thing? Are they a traveling unit the way colors might be? Are they going to be signed to wrestle universe like under cyber fight or cyber agent and work within those entities? Or do you think they're going to stay more of a freelance base and kind of help to fill out the death match cards for BJW and freedoms or all the above? <sighs> I think it's one that we will have to wait and see play out in the long term. Um, my big issue with it is that I'm not sure there's a market for Joshi Deathmatch um, as far as a ticket-paying audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could see them trying to run shows, and I think they they will run shows, but I'm not sure they're going to get people to these because I mean, Japan, as much as some people want to see it as this like utopia. There, there's a lot of sexism there towards some of the wrestlers. Sure. You know, the wrestlers are not viewed on the same level as the men's wrestlers. You know, they don't view Mayu Watani and Hiroshi Tanahashi on the same level. You know, Mayu is an entertainer to them. And so you're trying to sell these folks on, okay, well, these women that you see as entertainers, they're going to bleed and go through light tubes and get barbed wire stuck in them. You know, like that's a tough sell, I think. Um, so it's one of those where I do think I, I appreciate that they've they've chased what they want to do. They all clearly love hardcore wrestling, and this is what they want to do. I mean, Suzu has been very upfront about that ever since her career started. Um, but I'm not sure it'll work if they're just trying to make money through running live shows. Now, I do think they will continue to to travel around and and beef out cards and do invasions. I mean, obviously they've they've shown up in Wave uh, yeah. already. They are going to keep showing up on Ice Ribbon. That that's mm-hmm. that much we know. They seem to have an in with DDT, and DDT has so many different sub brands that I could see them working a few different places there. Um, and I could see Cyber Agent saying, "Hey, look, we'll stream your shows on our service and maybe paying them for it." Because I think Wrestle Universe is maybe trying to become a bit of a mecca for wrestling just based on some of their recent moves. I think maybe they're trying to do a, hey, we have everything for you subscription service because maybe they see what IWTV and stuff does in America and wants to mimic that. And I think getting something with the appeal of prominence would be a great addition to that. So I don't think there'll be like an official Wrestle Universe brand, but I could see them agreeing to have their shows aired on wrestle universe um and definitely still traveling around and trying to run shows whether that works or not i don't know and whether they only do hardcore death matches that remains to be seen i mean i'm sure ddt is like hey suzu do you want to like come do a normal match with yuna manasse or something on ganjo you know (laughs) um so i i I definitely i'm not sure really where it's going to go it could really go any number of directions but i don't think it's going to be one where we will know in the short term i think it's something that we're going to have to wait and see play out and see depending on whether or not 
it succeeds really whether they can sell tickets to a you know women's deathmatch group yeah yeah it's a risk right i mean you know i know you know there's a i know that online on on twitter.com there's a there's a good subsection of people that enjoy bjw and and freedoms right Mm -hmm. i also know that of things that i've read they're not doing the greatest this year uh, either one. I mean, BJW almost went out of business, uh, I think in 2020, you know what I mean? They kind of rebounded and, and freedoms is, I mean, they're doing, I think they're doing a little bit better, but both of them kind of are, you know, deathmatch. It isn't as, and it's, it's, it's not that there's not a market for it, but it, it's a smaller niche market. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then you're adding not just a competitor and I'm using that word loosely, but, a another act to the deathmatch world, but then it's now, you know, uh, uh, women's based, which again, on some level you celebrate, right. But then to your point, thinking critically about it, especially, you know, based out of Japan, is that what, you know, people that are going to spend money to go to the shows want to see, you know, time will tell. So yeah, I think that's a, it's a good look at it there, Alex, uh, strong, but you brought up Ganjo, which, you know, we need to get into as well. It's another DDT entity or, or cyber agent um, or cyber fight entity uh, or on the Wrestle Universe website, I guess is a better way of putting it. What um, they're kind of building their roster. Like, I feel like they're like a, I feel like they're not done. I feel like they're missing a couple mm-hmm. pieces and that we're just like the formation of the star is coming together. Right. And we're not burning as bright as we can just yet. And as these particles get closer together and the density uh, begins to heat up, I think that this thing could shine bright. Um, and maybe it's not 2022, but through the course of 2022 into the future. Um, it's at its, I don't want to say it's at its infancy because I don't think that's a fair representation, but it's certainly, you know, uh, in its um, infant stages in a lot of ways. Where do you see Ganjo moving through the course of this year? You know, they've made some investment into the Joshi wrestling. What What's your hope for it? Because it does get some play uh, with all of us that, that have Wrestle Universe. I think Ganjo has a lot of potential. Um, I think the, the people at Cyber Agent have wanted, very publicly wanted, a, another women's group, one that is purely about wrestling. Right, because TJPW is its own thing. TJPW to me is an idol group. It's essentially what an idol group is. It's all about the storytelling. It's about the characters. It's about you know attachment to the gimmicks. Yeah, it was whimsy. Um, yeah, and I I think Gan Ganbari Joshi has the chance to be that normal women's group they want. I mean, you have Yuna Manasseh, and Yuna Manasseh was heavily involved in Actress Girls uh, early on. And she would have trained a lot of the uh, the early actress people. Like I'm pretty sure she trained Tam Nakano. Yep. Um, so she has a good track record there. So if she's training people and they're going to have rookies and they're looking to actively sign free agents, you could have one of the better Joshi groups of the year and especially one with such visibility. I mean, if you're on Wrestle Universe, all the DDT fans are going to have access to your shows. All the Noah fans have access to your shows. TJPW fans have access to your shows. So I think it could really easily grow based around talents like Yuri and Yuna Manasseh and any of the freelancers that they keep bringing in. Um, And I think it has a chance to just be a really, 
another kind of well-funded work rate focused Joshi group. Yeah, I think so too. It's the most conventional, right? In a lot of ways, at least mm-hmm. um, to my tastes, right? That uh, Or my um, my experiences is probably a better way of putting it um, that I've seen. And I look at like a Maya and I say she would be perfect in, in, in Ganjo for many reasons. I mean, but she's a, she's a built-in ace, right? And she can, mm-hmm. you can find the flexibility of her working other promotions, working within DDT with Sakia Kai, uh, which again, we're seeing the beginnings of now, uh, the beginning parts of January and still do her Oz Academy stuff and still kind of go out there and get, get her bread. But at the same time, like she really could be that game changer for Ganjo. Like she's the one that could really help them level up uh, so that more people start paying attention to the potential of what Ganjo can be moving forward. If they can make a splash with, with Yukihi. So I'm interested in watching them. I like, um, I like a lot of what they're doing. Um, I enjoy the fact that on wrestle universe, you kind of have this, you know, you have all these different, you know, all these different sides of, of Joshi wrestling. Again, it's a good cross section, right? Going back to pro wrestling wave. It's always, it always goes back to pro wrestling wave. It's, but you have this good cross section of what, of what Joshi wrestling could be. And, and, Ganjo itself, I think, is really trying to, um, you know, find that championship wrestling quality that isn't necessarily missing from TJPW, but it's, you know, it, TJPW is not really about the titles. Miyu's about the titles, but yeah, TJPW is like the stories are fun and the characters mm-hmm. are, it's character-based wrestling, you know what I mean? And so you 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 fall in love with the character, not so much you know, the, 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 champion in a lot of ways. And I mean that with all due respect towards Yamashita, it's not, it's not her, it's the roster. You know, it's like, you only have one Miyu in TJPW. Then you have yeah. Maki and then pretty much everybody else has a gimmick associated with them. That's character driven and it's fun and it's this, and it's, you're supposed to put a smile on your face, right? When you watch, when you watch TJPW, they don't have that, you know, conventional, you know, hit him in the mouth type of wrestling. Ganjo is trying to be that. I think you go out there and you pick up a Maya, you pay her the money. You say, you're going to come work for us. You can still work everything else, but uh, we want to make you the mainstay, the face of Ganjo moving forward. You and Manasseh are going to move this thing into the, to the new direction. You're going to push the thing in the new direction. I think that's a great, that, that would be a great move. A great, that would be a great move for them. So, yeah, especially with um, like, they have Yuri there. I'm very high on Yuri, yes. but she is still very raw. Like yes. 100% still very raw. Um, and if you were to get a Yukihi there regularly to be the ace-like figure, you can develop Yuri until she's ready and then pull the trigger on her. Because so long as you have Yukihi, you're fine, you know? And I think have, bringing her in and just allowing maybe her and Yuri to be big rivals or just letting her lead the promotion until she's ready to pass the torch to Yuri is a great use of, of somebody like Yukihi. Like you don't need to say, hey, we're locking you down for five years. It can just be a, hey, look, stick with us for two or three years. By then, Yuri will be ready and we'll we'll push Yuri. We'll, we'll strap the rocket there. So I definitely think somebody like Yukihi would draw a lot of eyes to the promotion, especially if they continue to work with like colors. I mean, 
I don't think anybody would say no to a, a Maya Yukihi and Hikari Shimizu match. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. not me, anyway. Why would they? Some people don't like the kicks, man. I don't. I don't know. They're no, that's people. not true. No, they're not out there. <laughs> they don't exist. It's one of those things. I mean, yeah, it's there are so many. Again, it's just one of those things when you see them as many times as you do over all these promotions. It's like, how do you not, you know, just want to support? You know, everything that they're doing and then when they have the opportunity to kind of rise to the ranks and the promotion who are it's against that you know um but i'm with you man yeah it could be exciting and i i, I think that's you know a good point too with with your eye there kind of waiting in the wings <sighs> man i don't want to say like maya is a placeholder because that's not it but to be able to bring her in and make her the focus while your eyes coming up and and getting the seasoning that she needs I, I just think that's good business all around. Um, mm. Good business for 2022 as well as 2023 and 2024. Anything left on Ganjo? Um, no, nothing else. No. no, I don't think so. I think I think that kind of kind of wraps up where they are going th- at the beginning mm. of 2022 here, which then leaves us with Diana. Um, good old Kyoko. It's I look. <laughs> You know, I was on um, I was on a couple shows a couple years ago, um, spouting how Kyogo in a way probably like my top three favorite wrestler of all time, right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, that's changed um, the last couple years, not with her history, but with now, right? Where <laughs> it's a, I'm not the biggest Kyogo fan right now, um, you know. But Diana's always kind of been. It always kind of got a pass from me because it was free on YouTube and you could watch it whenever you wanted. And, you know, you kind of knew what it was. And so, like, why would you go in with a critical eye on Diana? But now, now they've, you know, they've rented out or they've sold essentially their and changed the name of their dojo. Um, They're now putting on pay-per-views instead of free shows on YouTube. And they're charging $30 a pop for, I can't imagine much difference at least at the beginning here than than what we've seen the last couple years i don't know if kiko makes the decisions um or that if she made the decisions to where they are now or if that's just you know a means to to pivoting based off of the financial pandemic and, and everything that's been going on but my goodness 30 dollars for a diana pay-per-view in in 2021 or 2022 I just, I just don't see where the value is in that. Am I, am I off base? Am I, am I being too, am I being too honest right now? Um, no, no. It's honestly like uh, thirty is a lot, and even like in the Sari days, I think it would have been a tough sell to yeah. to get people to buy a show for that much. Um, especially if every show is paywalled. I don't know if every show is or not. Um, I would assume not. But I mean, I if every show yeah, is, then it, yeah, they didn't. They yeah. haven't said. They just said they're doing thirty uh, or thirty dollars pay-per-views. They said they're doing pay-per-views that ended up mm-hmm. being thirty dollars. They didn't say anything about strictly or you know or not. So we'll see. Yeah, um, but like to me, the that this is a real point where I I, I think a lot of people will drop the promotion. Um, yeah. Like you've you've definitely got some diehard fans who really enjoy the product, and, and there's good wrestlers in Diana, no doubt about it. But um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of people to to pay thirty thirty quid for a, a match with a or a show with maybe three or four matches where you're kind of iffy on some of them, you know. Sure. Um, but you know, I think this is one of those things where. 
any pay-per-view buys and any extra money is just uh, a bonus for Diana. Like a lot of their money is going to come from the people buying tickets to attend the shows. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people like you and me don't really matter to them or to their decision-making. Um, and I don't think they set the pay-per-view price. I believe they like seedling don't have a choice in that because they both use the same platform. And I think the platform tells them what to do. Um, so I don't think they want to charge 30 bucks, but I mean, if, if it's extra money and you get 10 people to pay, then that's 300 quid, you know, and that's a couple of seats worth of money brought back in because they, like everybody are, are just trying to get money in the door um, with, throughout the, the pandemic. So if they sell 10 pay-per-views, that's, that's, you know, a good bit of money brought in that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um but I mean, it's, I don't like the move. I, I enjoyed Diana, <laughs> you know, I liked watching it, but I, I can't justify spending that much money on most of the shows. I'm sure I will eventually break and buy one of them. Um, but for now, that's, that's definitely a point where I just have to stop watching. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good, um, I think that's a, ni- a nice way of looking at it and, and separating the fandom from, from, from where we are to where, to where the business moves that they need to make, like they need to focus on the domestic side. So to your point, there's no way that we're, you know, we're in consideration when we've gotten it for free for, I mean, as long as they've been around at the same time, it's not worth, you know, in my opinion, it's not worth what they want us to spend on it. Mm-hmm. And it, certainly to your point, it's not their fault. It, it, it just, it is what it is. And so it's like, there is no anger. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little frustration because it's like, you want to watch Diana and you want to check out Madeline and be like, here's this crazy girl who's doing all these crazy things. And I don't even know what she's doing anymore because she's behind a paywall. But at the same time you sit there and you go, yeah, I, I, I you know, at some point you just run out of, you, you just tapped on cash. Right. Um, and when it comes to Joshi, you, you, if you want to watch, you got to put up the cash, right? You got to support Joshi, um, uh, to be able to get these shows. And man, just 30 bucks for Diana's pay per views, unless something changes where they give me a reason, right, to spend mm-hmm. it, it's going to be tough. I mean, this is the, the promotion of organic growth a couple years ago, and now it's, you know, how many of us are going to stick around, um, you know, six months from now. It'll be interesting to tell. I hope to your point, they keep something on YouTube. They give us something uh, to pay attention to. Now that I don't think they own the dojo, on the dojo, but they don't own that venue anymore. And it's, they're renting out, which means they have to buy in to, to use it. Right. I'm pretty Mm. sure is my understanding. Then do the free shows continue because they, they work at a loss, right? Like they, they potentially could. So who knows, right? Again, it's one of those wait and sees with Diana. I would just say that the sell it, like selling the dojo is a very worrying sign. Um, it is. It, yes, it's right. And it was very like, they put it out there, but it wasn't like picked up by a tremendous amount of people, mm. which is always the weird thing about Diana. It's like, they put out like a, something like that. And like you and I looked at it and like, we, I think we were the first two to like retweet it and talk about it. And then it's like, but like total, it was like 12 retweets and like mm-hmm. 13 likes. <laughs> and it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, shoot. Like, I don't think anybody really realizes like, not owning your dojo, you know, where, like, again, if Ice Ribbon didn't own their dojo, would we get as much Ice Ribbon content as we got? 
mm-hmm. especially through the pandemic. No, of course not. So the YouTube shows, are we still going to get those in any, any semblance if they have to make sure they get a crowd to show up? And if they're going to make sure that they have to get a crowd to show up, well, then, you, you know, you think they would air more on the side of a quote unquote pay-per-view type of type of card to get as many people in the door as possible, regardless uh, of, you know, streaming options. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, another wait and see approach, you know, as we kind of round out um, the Joshi promotions here, but the biggest change, you know, for the smallest change out of all of these promotions could be, you know, could have the biggest consequence if, if, you know, you don't get out there and, and support them and is it worth it or not? You know, time will tell. Yeah, no, to me, it's, it isn't, uh, unfortunately. I just like Diana as a promotion. It's Kyoko and Jaguar, who are obviously big legends in the scene. Huge. Um, and they're just, you know, giving work to their trainees, who obviously are, are happy to train with legends, and then some other young talents. And to me, I don't think that will ever be worth that much money, you know? Agreed. But that, that is the aim of the promotion, really, is to, to develop their trainees and give you know chances to other young talent you know the rest of it you know people getting to see kyoko is obviously the draw people getting to see jaguar that is the main draw um but you know i don't think that alone will ever be worth that much money so i think sadly diana is one of these that may peer out eventually um i mean i know they they are partially funded i think by kyoko's restaurant so they might be okay (laughs) um but I mean, if business goes down in the food industry, then then yeah, they might they might close up shop. But I I don't really know for for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of those true wait and see uh, promotions that we got. So again, we're, we'll watch it. We've talked Wave. Uh, we've talked Marvelous Sendai, Pure J, Joker Pro, Oz Academy, JTO Girls. We've talked the changes in seedling colors, prominence, Ganjo, Diana. We were coming to the end of this baseline uh, group of recordings with Stardom, TJPW, and Ice Ribbon, and everything that me and Alex talked about today. There's a richness to the independent Joshi scene, unlike anywhere in the world today. Um, former wrestlers throwing their masks in the ring and, and betting on themselves to build up the younger generation and again, to build upon their legacy as entrepreneurs and as well as wrestlers, right? Where they're not done telling and writing chapters uh, to their individual books. It's it's some pretty fantastic stuff. Alex, we've talked a lot, man. There is so much that we could continue to dive into. And there's nuance to all of these conversations that, you know, six minutes on each topic could never, never justify. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add that we didn't go over in this hour and 45 minutes um you know just a general thing um if you're somebody who isn't a joshi fan or is is maybe a stardom fan or a tjp to be a fan and you want to get into promotions like these um don't be afraid to ask the joshi fandom in my entire time on twitter is one of the most helpful and welcoming fan bases ever people love their favorite promotion and they're happy to help you fall in love with that promotion too you know if you want wrecks on on certain wrestlers if you want match wrecks on just what a promotion is like if you want you know maybe help on how to watch a show or how to to buy some merch there's always somebody who's going to be there to help you so you know if you are interested in getting into joshi 
there are so many people out there who are, are will be more than happy to help you. And I, I'm, I'm one of them. I don't have all the answers, but I'm always happy if somebody asks me like, hey, how do I watch Marvelous? Or I'm interested in Marvelous. What matches should I watch to get a feel for the promotion? Like, I'm always happy to, to help with that. And I'm sure any Joshi fan is. So um, like, if you're listening to this and you're listening to us talk about some of these groups and you're interested in learning about them, just you know, feel free to to ask people because people are more than happy to to help you out. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it is uh, it is one of the more information seeking communities out there, right? I, I think that that a lot of us out there in the in the Joshi community want to share what we love so much because there's such an array of of options right? Like there's just so much different variety in, in Joshi wrestling in general, that there's a little bit of everything for everybody. And if you're really into one specific thing, there's a chance that there's a, there's a strong possibility that either a wrestler or a promotion has what you're looking for. And so, you know, seek us out, seek others out. There's plenty of us out there on social media, you know, willing to share our experiences, our knowledge, our links to, uh, to enjoy what we've taken so much, so much joy in ourselves, um, you know, with, with Joshi pro wrestling in general. So, you know, Alex, we, we, you know, we've talked a lot, we've talked at all, man. And again, it makes sense because you and I've literally been trying to do this since like 2018, Yeah, you know? Um, so again, this has been a treat for me, you know, again, you and I, that we've talked for, for years now and we've never been able to link up, um, I'd like to thank you for coming on to the inaugural, uh, inaugural episode of PWI's Just Joshi. Again, long time coming, man. Um, couldn't think of a better closer for this for this type of baseline episode, my friend. Where can people find you? What do you have coming up? Um, yeah, well, you can you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I never recommend following me on Twitter because <laughs> I'm very bad at it. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's at l w o s p w alex or um or you can just search for new tralix um that's probably the easiest way um and if you want to hear more from me uh me and my friend dylan we do a weekly stardom podcast uh we do all we review everything that's up we preview everything we cover the news uh we try and make sure the fans new and old can can really keep up with stardom uh so that's called stardom quest it's available wherever you get your podcasts um we also have another show dedicated to classic joshi wrestling so we're going through uh, all japan women's pro wrestling and jwp and fmw and stuff like that from 1991 um, and onwards so if you want to hear how the greatest era of joshi wrestling came to be then you can listen to that show we're talking about how aja kong became a star we're talking about how manama toyota became a star we're talking about the change in akira hokuto we're talking about bull nakano's legendary reign as world champion so um that's called Victory Through Guts. That's a monthly podcast. So if you want to hear more about Classic Joshi, then uh, check that out. Yeah, man's doing everything. He's, jeez, uh, he's everywhere. And it's, you know, if you're not, make sure you are following my friend Alex. Everything at Last Word on Sports, Last Word on Pro Wrestling. And pretty much anytime you Google a Joshi show with a review, there's a high probability that the tagline of that 
review is going to be Alex Richards, just <laughs> pretty much every single time. And so I knew he was, or I knew who he was before he, you know, came to me and said, Hey, your MPA show is pretty good. And I was like, Hey man, thanks. I'm a big fan of yours too. Like, and so, so we've been, we hit it off in the beginning, but man, it's this, this is, a, this is a community, right? And the community is a strong one. And so if this is something that you want to get into, reach out to Alex. He's a great resource. I, I use him every day. Um, and, and enjoy what we love so much, which is, uh, Joshi wrestling for now. Haven't done that in a minute. He's Alex. I'm JPQ and we're talking just for